out there, time be ticking Tell me what be on your wishes Tell me all of your ambitions Everybody on a mission Make this life your own addition Cause it flash before your eyes in a you're now tuning into Deep Down Under, a podcast where I'll be sitting down with influential and inspiring people of our time from all walks of life. In this podcast, we'll be able to dig a little deeper into the minds of those who have stepped outside the box and shaped their own path, getting a greater understanding of their journey. There is always a backstory. In this episode, we talk about Baylor's life growing up in Melbourne, getting into hip hop, break dancing, and graffiti in the 90s a traumatic near-death experience and a street fight that changed the course of his life, leading to years of violence and mental health issues, as well as Melbourne city culture, the bush doof scene, the hip-hop scene, travelling, health, his up-and-coming book, trauma, the future of Baylor, and more. Hope you enjoy. Today I would like to acknowledge the Iraq War people of Bunjalung country, the original custodians of the land in which this podcast was recorded, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Lebowski, how are we, man? Thanks for sitting down with me. Um, we want to know what's going down for you right now in Melbourne. How's 2021 treating you and what sort of projects you got on the go at the present? Um, well, 2021's not too, not too bad. I uh, saw the silver lining of the lockdown, even though it was difficult and not the not the best time for, for everyone. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I had a, had a lot of bad parts to it, but the, the silver lining for me was that I, I picked a project I've been working on for over a decade and actually sat with it and gave it the attention it needed and required, which is a book I've been working on called Wall Stories, um, which is a collection of graffiti artists from Melbourne, all different people in it. Actually, your last guest, Danny Young's in it. Um, it's got some TGC, some KSA, some WCA, some CI, some TAB, some you name it, some 70K guys, some... All the legends. Uh, RDC. Yeah, just a, a good selection of a lot of people that I looked up to personally and still do and and uh, that have have made an impact stylistically or for proliferation of their work i mean there's people there's some people that aren't in it that i would have liked to be in it but you, mm. you know you can't get everyone and some people aren't as uh easy to access as others or, 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 or you know sorry my phone is ringing i better put That's that right. on silent <laughs> it's retainer yo i'm just doing a podcast with dudes man can i call you later on Ah, oh, cheers, bro. Much appreciated. I'll, I'll buzz you in a bit. Catch up. How unprofessional. <laughs> no, it's authentic, bro. Uh, it's put, authentic. I'll put, that on the, I'll put that on the airplane mode. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, better off so, to have shit in like that anyway, you know what I mean? It's more, yeah, yeah we're well, fucking humans at the end um, of the day. Yeah, well, so the, the book, I've, I've worked on it a lot during lockdown and then this year got a guy I actually went to primary school with who I hadn't seen in a long time, um, Mark Fletcher. He, uh, he's doing some graphic design for the book because I'm not a designer. I put it all together, but it needed some garnish, you know what I mean? It was mm. a bit... I decided um, I needed the book to look a bit more professional, so uh, I, I found him on um, social media and was like, oh, you're doing design... 
I was mates with him, you know, a long time ago. Mm. Um, and so he, he's actually made the book look a lot better. And I've got, got it edited. I've got my print quotes. I'm actually getting the edits back tomorrow. And then I've got to um, pull the trigger and throw $40,000 at it. Fuck. <laughs> and, um, yeah, <laughs> and get... 1700 copies of the normal edition and 300 copies of the special edition printed sick and then i guess i've got to go pay a uh, advertising or marketing company another 5k or something you know mm. otherwise i'll be doing all that myself so i'm going to try and just self self publish and and sell them through my website um yeah i'm going to you know, if people don't know of me or my stuff, they can follow me on Instagram, just underscore Baylor. And I'll be putting heaps of stuff on there about the book, about when it's coming out and what's in it. And I guess I, you know, I'll, I'll get a marketing company to help me work out the best way of doing that because, you know, I, I've got a particular way of doing things and you might've seen my cooking show. It's not necessarily <laughs> professional. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 If people people are probably like, what the fuck, this guy's got a cookie show. But I, I just I just um sometimes do stupid stuff on social media for fun. All right, bro. So let's go through the yeah, layers. No, oh, oh, What's that? Gonna say is um yeah. So it's almost finished. Yeah, and, dope. Um yeah, keep it ears and eyes open. It, it should be. I mean, I I think it's a good book. How long <laughs> you been working on it? Did you say? I, I, I started working on it in 2009. Fuck. Um, mm. I, I, I was making a book about my crew and myself. Mm. And then I was in this Abando painting that we used to always paint at Maribyrnong. And I kicked down this wall and I walked through this hall and then I broke down this other wall and I crawled through this big exhaust band and I found this old room that used to have raves held in it in See. 1997. There was an old great TGC piece and a nicer character and a trance piece. And I found all this cool shit. I called the place the provider because everything I wanted it provided. Yeah, nice. I'd actually borrowed a book off my friend called um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson. And um, I'd lost the book. And I, I walked over in this, in this abando to this pile of books and I thought in my head, it'd be funny if I found that book here. And I bent down and the first book I picked up without even looking was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Wow. Thompson. I was like, I guess this is the provider now, you know, yeah, so I yeah, called the yeah. place the provider. And while I was digging around in there with my mate, Steve, um, we found a stack of photo albums. I think they used to belong to Yeti PBP. I'll have to give them back to him. But um, they had all these WCA tags on the front and DMA tags like fresh style and they were full of photos of CW, PBP, DMA. And my book, all of a sudden, I just thought, well, why, why, why don't I include some other people in the book instead of just my friends? Yeah, definitely. And I was studying multimedia at um, RMIT at the time. I was doing it as a, my main project. And then I, I, I printed what I'd done and handed that in and, then I just continued building on it and kept meeting up with people and scanning their, their collections and getting stories. Yeah, man. It just took a lot longer than expected because, of, you know, a lot of writers don't want to 
tell a story because they're paranoid it'll come back to them or also I was very active at the time so mm. people were a bit paranoid to work with me on such a thing because they thought I'd probably go to jail or something yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean I, I, I was in and out of court and all that kind of stuff being a bit naughty doing whatever whatever mm. for a while so but now I'm a bit older and more refined in my ways yep in some ways and not in others but <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's all finished and, um, yeah, it's soon to be self-published and out there. So what's I'm the time frame? Do you, do you think the time frame, yeah, roughly. um, realistically, it's going to be at least two more months because yeah, I'm picking up the edits tomorrow. Then we've got to make all the edits. Then we're going to have a meeting with the printer and then he's going to do some test prints and then we're going to check those off and then we have to send it off to get printed, um, overseas and then the freight time and then, um, you know, some marketing leading and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, hopefully it, it'll, it'll be a project this year, you know. I, I was looking at it like, I'm going to get this done before I'm 30 and I just turned 37 yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get it done before I'm 40. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, at least it's getting done. At least you've done it in the first place, you know. It'll be epic, man. That's look it. Forward, I'll look be forward very to happy it. once it's done, you know. The, the, the other project that I can sort of look at like that is the the, the, the album I did with Retainer. Mm. That was something that we focused on and got it, just punched it out and got mm. it done. And it's like it's such a good feeling to just just complete something that you're happy with. A hundred percent, man. Mm. Because I, because of my like bipolariness, I often start several things and kind of – have too many pies on the shelf and they all get cold instead of just cooking one and eating it while it's hot. You know yeah, I've I mean? seen you talk about the pies. It's a good point, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Even in, yeah, it's, yeah, in my world as well, I can relate to that, doing the podcast music and then fucking I mean, training. Even, like, even when you focus on one thing, like for mm. you, you might focus on your music. It's like when you're just focusing on that one thing, you're still going to work your job, you know, have a partner, have a family, have yep. friends. You've still have got fun. Things, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's hard to to focus sometimes, but it's got to be done. The show must go on. Yeah. So do what do you want to do? We want to go back to like yeah. Let's do it, man. So let's go through. Let's go through the layers, events, experiences, ups, downs, sideways, inside outs that are carved and shaped you as a person and the Baylor identity to what it is now and what it'll continue to evolve to be. So sort of starting from the early days, we'll work our way through the memoirs as we go. We'll go back to the yeah, early memories yeah. of school and, you know, how that was feeling and uh, let's just fucking go through the motions. Cool. I mean, I'm, I don't really look back that much. Mm. I don't, you know, people sometimes post on social media, oh, the good times in primary school or high school. Whatever. I'm like, I don't, I don't think about <laughs> primary school. I don't think about high school. I don't remember anything but if I if I make myself I can but I don't I'm not like sitting around thinking of the good old days you know what I mean I'm yeah you, you know what's good though like conversations like this because you can you can up you know you can see if you can remember what was going on in your head how graffiti came about and you know and then you can sort of see how it evolves from there yeah, I, you know? can, I can definitely work that like mm. the, the primary school I went to situated next to a stormwater drain so in about grade four, we started riding our BMX bikes. I, I remember I got my dad found a BMX at a um, 
a garage sale and bought it for my birthday. And um, I got to start riding to school, which was freedom, you know. So there was a nice big hill all the way down. So I could burn all the way down the hill and go to the school. And then next to the school, there was the stormwater drains. So we'd, after school, we'd start riding our bikes through the stormwater drains in a little group like the Goonies or the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and then, yeah, and we'd start bringing torches to school. And on the walls of the, the drains, like there would be some cave clan stuff, like take mm. the left tunnel 300 meters and then, you know, go this way. Like there would be a, some um, things to do. So what year is this, bro? Start. Roughly. So, oh, that would have been about 1993, 94. Yep. And we, we, the whole, the whole drain's full of graffiti. So we'd be riding through just exploring and, and, and getting up to no good and, you know, getting caught when the rain starts coming up and having to pop out a manhole, scaring the shit out of an elderly couple, you know, that kind of thing. And we'd be down there and sometimes you might see someone painting. Like I remember seeing maybe in like 96 or something when I was in grade six, seeing I think great TGC was down there doing a piece and we kind of, oh, we got to see what an actual graffiti artist is, you know. Mm. And every now and again you'd find some tins that someone had dropped that weren't um, empty yet and you'd do some drawings and we all had tags. Like one guy wrote Iceman and, 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 and one guy wrote um, Victory and one guy wrote Desire and one guy wrote Jester and put the Jester hat. <laughs> you know, every, there's all these words that when you start, it's like mandatory. Yeah. Like mask or just, you know, like there's these words that for some reason. Everyone uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we just would be hanging out there quite a bit and um i guess it sort of slowly became more the reason to go there was the painting than the exploring but i mean late in the last few years i've been going down on my own and exploring the drains and painting down there sort of returning to that youthful nostalgic way yeah are they the sort um, of the underground ones that you post like the the full dungeons the sex palace and shit Yeah, that's actually the same drain that I was going through in 1994. See, that's mad. Yeah. Um, And then in like when I went to high school, I think it was 97, I used to go to the the video store and hire lots of weeklies. Like I'd get lots of um, uh, kung fu films, uh, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee and stuff. And then I found this... um, found this breakdancing video, how to breakdance from the eighties. That was like so old and shitty that when you played it, it, you know, flicker and stuff, but I had it for the week and then I kept it for a few more weeks and then returned it, you know, and just every day was like, do weird like knee spins and learning all these, like they weren't the coolest moves, but they were like some, like start off breakdancing moves. Getting and the I juices flowing. doing that at school. And, huh? Getting the juices flowing. Yeah, and just mm. the breakdancing and then, you know, um, started listening to hip-hop and smoking weed, listening to Cypress Hill and Wu-Tang and whatnot. And then I changed schools. And so I was doing a little bit of tagging and, and, um, and, and, and whatever behaviour at that first school. And then I changed to this, um, 
other school and met a, a friend there that I knew from primary school and he was into graph and I was into graph, but yep. we both pretended we were way more into it than we were because who <laughs> was the new school? I'm like, yeah, I'm like this and I'm that. And when really we were both toys. I'm Jester. And, um, I'm Jest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So in 99, him and I, we started a crew and we started um, doing loops. Yep. And um, everyone everyone hated us. Everyone thought we were the toyest. Toyest dudes in town. We How old were you at this point, IGA. bro? Huh? How old do you reckon you were at this point? Uh, I was in year nine. Yep. And, um, yeah, so they were like, like, we'd get on the train and they'd do IGA, like the ad, you know? And we we're like insane graffiti assassins or something <laughs> lame like that. And, um, so, yeah, people used to sort of tease us and stuff. And then one guy stole my marker and then... And then I just started bashing people and that stopped happening, you know. Mm, like, mm, that's like, how it happens. The guy that stole my marker, I just belted him and all of a sudden dudes stopped making fun of us. And we we started being guys like, I don't know, we'd roll around and we wouldn't be assholes, but just you just we just wouldn't take shit. Like That's part of the culture, man. That's part of the culture. And, yeah, and then we got in PKO crew, um, which was like a bunch of mates that hung out at Balaclava at um, Little Hustlers and it was like a pinball arcade and, and computer arcade and a lot of dodgy stuff. I think they sold smack upstairs and weed and whatever else eventually got shut down, but everyone sort of hung out there. Um, little thug life mentality dudes. Yep. And we'd all do back-ons and go racking bottles of booze. And, you know, Safeway was like free lunch and then Liquorland was like free alcohol and, all the clothing shops were like free, whatever you wanted. Yep. <laughs> you know, we didn't have jobs. We just kicked around on the tram. But I look a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Go down, go down the St Kilda and do flips off the pier. Um, we'd know someone working in the Maccas or if we didn't know anyone that day, we'd wait till someone ordered a big amount of food through the drive-thru and then we'd just run through and grab the bag and run off. <laughs> Hawk was actually the king of that Maccas runners crew. Hawk and um, Redo and Must and uh, Sec. <laughs> we just hang about being larrikins, you know. Um, yeah, man. And go do pieces. And, yeah, Graf. Graf was, you know, go into the city, do some – Hawk was living in the city, do some rooftops in the city, do some throwies and stuff. Mm. And so then I guess – Did you grow up around – did you grow up around St Kilda? Um. Sort of close to it, yep. and then Balaclava, and then um, all around the kind of area, and then I've lived at, uh, in a few other spots as well. I lived in Brunswick for about six and a half years. Yep, um, I like it there as well, but I do like the south side, being near the beach and stuff. But it's funny the north side has this like opinion of itself that it's like rough and tumble and. You know, and the south side's all rich, and, and you, the north side's rich as fuck now, and the south side hasn't changed much. Yeah, you know, it's like, bittersweet. It, <laughs> it, it's like Collingwood's Turak and Fitzroy's Turak. And, yeah. Everywhere's Turak. Reservoir, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Northcote's the new Fitzroy. Yep. Brunswick's the new Fitzroy. Yeah, so you were you were Yeah, everywhere's you, kind of the same now. Everywhere's got a Nando's, everywhere's got a Messina, it's all looking the same. Like the the, the thing that made Melbourne cool, this the the laneway culture, the 
graffiti, the street art, all that stuff that made Melbourne cool. It's now just like a, a parody of itself. Like you can go down a laneway and pay $30 for a cocktail and sit on a golden milk crate mm. and drink their homebrewed beer out of a hand-woven paper bag. It's like, no, you're supposed to sit on an actual milk crate and drink a Melbourne long neck. Like, yeah, it's interesting, man, because you would have seen the, uh, homes, you, know? like, you would have seen the, how much it's changed, obviously, even with technology going from, yeah, coming up in the era that you came in pre pre-media and pre everything that you're saying it's it's been a fucking huge change well there used to be abandoned buildings all through the cbd you could drive a car and park in an abandoned car park and go drinking at you know um workshop or something you could park right next to it like and or you could go painting in the middle of the day in the cbd like Mm. in a few spots it was yeah i mean times change Mm. (laughs) so yeah you started painting growing up and, and networking with dudes around the inner city, what stage did graph sort of start getting serious and the train painting come into play and what was Melbourne looking like at that period? And can you tell us a few, maybe your favourite mission stories as well, if you feel like sharing them? Sure. I mean, 99, I just, that's when I say, like, I, you know, I started painting in the earlier 90s, just mucking about with tagging them. At 99 is where I decided to be a writer and um, would go racking tins all the time and, and, and just painting and as much as we can. But at the same time as, as that, it's like, I also started training break dancing at um, Wicked Force. Um, so I'd be going to Paran and training. They used to teach it in the gym at Wesley a couple of days a week. So I'd go there and train with the Wicked Force guys. And then you'd go to um, obese records and get the out for fame magazine which is like a free zine that became a claim hip-hop magazine Sick. and that would have stuff about graffiti and hip-hop and break dancing and you'd glean as much info as you could maybe the guys behind the counter who were a bit standoffish because they were older and cool you know maybe strut <laughs> would be working there or or pegs or whoever and they'd be a bit too cool but every now and again you'd be able to have a chat with them and they'd like let a little bit of information out you'd oh cool wow and you know, something that to them is a throwaway comment to use, like getting stored in the memory banks, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I was break dancing, I was graphing, and I was also rapping. So I, I was, yeah, rapping at every party and freestyling and battling people. And I started getting in the battle scene when I was about 17. I won Run Amok, this um, battle that Pegs put on and Reason, I think, and Brad Strutt was there. And um, also my mate Negs, he did his, um, what's it called? When you have to work placement, he just picked obese records. So when he had to do his school work um, placement, he, he just went and worked at obese. So he got, he and I went on the formula just after Brad struck and we were 16 and wrapped on the formula. Um, and yeah, so at the same time as painting, I was trying to get some rap happening and some break dancing. I was break dancing at a few different, like shot, I did a few different things at different venues and stuff and would battle and go in the circles and all that sort of stuff. And it was actually really popular at that time. Like uh, the laundry on a, a Monday night would be packed with hundreds of people and dudes break dancing. Like I remember um, Stu from Hospice Crew letting us in the back door and he always had bottles Dak, and we were all, you know, we were all underage and, me, Reddo and, and Sec and Sneak and Text or whoever else was with us and we'd come in and and there'd be dudes breaking and 
the place would be packed out, people rapping, and yeah, hip hop was like popping mm. then. It was like it had, it's very cyclical movement, you know, like For it should sure. be coming back again. It, it it has its moments. Like in the eighties, it was popping, and then you know through the nineties, people often talk about how it slowed down. But to me, it was like that was when the real shit was going down because the dudes only that actually liked it were doing it as opposed to the dudes that do it because it's cool. So when it becomes cool again, you get a whole lot of people pile on. So the same thing happened. 98, um, Bias dropped beeswax. So he's rapping about bombing insides and stuff. But insides are getting bombed by Seduce and Differ and, and Copy, Ewok, Sko, uh, macho you can't forget macho brides dudes were going hard on the insides and i mm. think that album also helped to bring that back because it, it kind of had slowed down a bit and then i guess the battle scene sort of all happening and the breakdance scene was flourishing and then eight mile dropped which sounds like whatever but that actually made the battle scene all of a sudden went from like 10 20 people yeah. entering to like everyone wanting to enter yep so the battles would be packed and not just like yeah they would be packed out and yeah it was it was an interesting time aussie hip-hop wasn't um commercially successful as much yet so it was like this scene that and you'd go to every hip-hop event you wouldn't just go to the one you liked you'd go to you know souls of mischief you'd go to the local one you'd go the 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 headliner international as well as the underground it. international you go to mm. every single one and you'd know every single person there you know um it was a lot of energy in the scene then and then um i guess our base started taking off and pegs started making moves and 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 um yeah it's an interesting time man and yeah so i i got into the the rap battling just as much as the the graffiti and mm. after um run mark i went in a few others i went in uh the revolver mc comp the first time i went in there i fucked up i'd made like a, a faux pas no one really noticed it but the guys recording it noticed it and afterwards i got real stoned and paranoid and walked to the windsor bridge and considered jumping off the bridge but i was like it's not high enough i'll just break my legs i have to wait all night for the train to come run me over but I came back the next year and I made the finals actually. And um, Scott Skills won the whole thing. And I was in the finals against Surreal. I thought I beat him, but he is in Street Elite and Peril was on the, the judging panel. But, you know, I'll leave that to history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. And I won a few other battles. I came second at one at um, Laundry. I came in the finals for double B. I won the big day out MC comp. That was fun. The year exhibit performed. I think maybe that was like 2003. And there was Sick. a few thousand people in the audience and there was like eight of us, like a knockout battle. And um, You would have been yeah, around 20 or fun. something? 20 then, or something? What was that? Maybe like 19? Yeah, yeah, something. yeah. I think I was 19, yeah. And um, yeah, so I just finished school. It was an interesting time in my life. My my parents had split up, um, uh, and then a, a few friends of mine died in a police chase, and then a few other things happened all in this short time. And you know, meanwhile, graphing and and rapping and breaking all this stuff, and then went in that battle, won the battle, and was on a high. And kind of um, I remember 
going out like a week after that and this dude basically tried to murder me. So it kind of changed the trajectory of my life. I was the guy that would go in the battles sober while the other guys were getting drunk or stoned beforehand and I'd like be like, no, I'm going to win. I'm, I'm, I'm sober. I'm going to beat you and then when I beat you, I'm going to have a drink. And then after this almost getting murdered incident, I kind of changed to Mr. Drunken, Mr. Drunken Obnoxious, you know. What happened? So the, what, what, can, what's the go with the, with the murder thing? Yeah, I'll, I'll break that down for you. Yeah. The full story is in my book. If you haven't uh, heard, I've got a book coming out called Wall Stories. It's going to be <laughs> on my website, com.au. <laughs> so the full story is going to be in there. But basically what happened was I was decked out in all Echo clothing. Echo was Popping. fresh clothing at the time. They were sponsoring a lot of local hip-hop. And um, I, that was part of the prize of winning the big day out MC battle. So I was... I'd, Decked up top to toe in Echo, and that it's it's part of the story because the shoes were fucking the reason I got the shoes were part of it. Uh, so we're walking through Paran to go get a drink. My friend text and Crystal and myself, and we're off to the to some bar or whatever, and we see a bunch of the the younger heads kicking it in the park, and we're like, oh, so I was like. We'll just say a quick hi and then go. I want to have a drink, celebrate winning this battle, you know. Mm. And um, so that they were like, "Yeah, we'll go we'll say hi. We'll go say hi." I was like, "I don't really want to hang out in the park. I want to go have a drink at the bar, you know." But we went to say good day to the dudes, and um, while we're there, a car drove past, and some guys yelled out like, "Fucking Bella scum!" Like you know, fuck Balaclava, the people that hang at Balaclava, because we're in Paran, but. The Paran guys and the Bella guys were kind of mates and backed each other up in fights and whatever, whatever. But these guys were just obviously taking the piss. So text shouted something back like, um, fuck you, Paran rats or whatever. And the handbrake almost got yanked out of the car, you know what I mean? <laughs> the tires just went. And uh, three or four messed up, stab happy cunts jumped out of the car. Who the fuck said that? Who the fuck said that? You know, looking to, looking to do some damage. Mm. And um, all the dudes in the park knew who they were, so they all shut the fuck up and got scared. This guy's, you know, known for his... Uh, known for poking. Knife. Known for poking dudes with knives. And, um, yeah, so they came and started beating up my mate who shouted it out. And, yeah, as I mentioned before, I'm not... haven't been known to be... <laughs> like to be uh, told what to do or or pushed around. So I just started punching dudes and, um, yeah, put put a few guys on the ground. And one guy didn't like being put on the ground and he said, uh, no one knocks me down, I'm going to kill you. And I looked at him and uh, he seemed like he wanted to kill me. <laughs> and when he smashed a beer bottle, he ran at me and I, I, I took off to try and avoid and I just remember looking down at these fucking Echo shoes, thinking they were like styled after the Clark's Wallaby, you know. Like uh, I was thinking if I had my Air Max 90s on, I'd be gone. I had these goddamn Echo wannabe Clark's Wallabies on and I was slipping and sliding in the grass. And so I, I spun around. at There was like a, a stop sign or a no parking sign at the end of the park. I grabbed that and spun around to face him. 
and kept the pole between us as he was trying to stab me in the throat with this broken bottle. And um, he missed a few times and then hit the pole with the bottle, which broke the bottle some more, which was lucky because when he finally found a home for the bottle in my neck, um, it didn't it didn't fully sever all my arteries because it had been broken a bit on the bottle. Mm. Fuck. So a lot of the a lot of the glass just collapsed, like it was attached by the the um, the the label of the beer bottle. Mm. So it just kind of collapsed against the handle. So a few prongs of the bottle went into my neck, and the rest just kind of slammed against my neck. And as soon as that happened, I just started punching him again, and then he ran off. And I was walking down the street, thinking, "Oh, well, that's a bit shit." Like guess I'll go get a drink, you know, pulling bits of glass out of my neck, blood <laughs> down my neck. I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess that's ruined my night a bit. And as I'm walking along thinking it's all whatever, him and his mates come running up behind me. He bottles me over the head with another bottle and then pulls the jacket, my jacket over my own head. And his mates are laying into me. And then he, he buries the stub of the broken bottle and he smashed over my head into my back and slices my back open like Fuck, a, they were like really going for it. On it. Fucking hell. What's it? He, they, were, they were really yeah, going, he was going for it. it. He wasn't happy that I was still standing, you know, because mm. no one knocks him down apparently. So I pulled the jacket off and chest kicked his mate with a big push kick in the chest and um, turned around and hit him. And it was like, fuck off, you know, and they, they took off and I was walking down the street thinking, oh, well, I guess my night's over, you know, <laughs> you know, so I'm walking along and then I hear him again, fucking shouting at me, fuck off, dude. Like, <laughs> you just stabbed you, you me in the neck. You stabbed me in the neck. You stabbed me in the back. You <laughs> bottled me in the head. You've kicked and punched me, elbowed me. Your mates booted me. Your mates elbowed me. But he was like still shouting and raving about me knocking him down and, it was just, I guess he was just upset that I still was standing, you know. And so I'm trying to get into this bar and the bouncer's like, you can't come in here, you're covered in blood. And I'm like, well, if I stay out here, I'm probably going to die. Mm. And so I turn around and he's yelling at me again and, and he's got another bottle in his hand. He's about three metres away and he throws the bottle at my face. And um, I saw it in slow motion like the Matrix, you know, mm, like he's dodging the bullets. I didn't dodge this bullet. <laughs> <laughs> as much of a cunt as this guy is, he's a bloody good throw. All right, he's done this before. <laughs> he he's done this before. Yeah, he he got me right between the eyes, but I saw the bottle explode like like out each side. Right, so I should have had glass all in my face. I had this. I've got a nice little scar there that gets red when I'm angry now between my eyes. Mm. But um, I so that cut and my nose was broken and just pissing out blood. But all the glass from the broken bottle was like um, it was like sand. It was like really fine. It, it shattered. It must have hit the sweet spot on the bottle or something. It was kind of like in Pulp Fiction when Jules and that like, the guy comes out with the giant magnum and misses them with the six bullets. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's divine intervention. And he's like, I don't believe in no divine intervention. Yeah. The bottle hit me right between the eyes, but I didn't have a single piece of glass in either of my eyes. And I just remember brushing my eyebrows and all this like fine glass, like collapsing, like falling out of it, like sand. I was mm. just like, what the hell is going on? And I look up and the dude's just looking at me, like pacing like an angry tiger in captivity. And he's like, 
you could see that he was so mad that he just bottled me in the face and I'm still standing there. I'm not on the ground. So he picks up a table and starts trying to hit me with this table. And so I put my foot on the table and just booted it and he went flying and I turned around and went to the bouncer like, I'm coming in. And he said, no, you're not. So I just spat a mouthful of blood in his face and pushed him out of the way and went and ordered a scotch on the rocks. And yeah, the with, lady at the with blood said, squirting out of the, the neck rocks. casually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, you don't need a scotch. You need a fucking ambulance. And I'm like, oh, well, you can order me an ambulance, but I'll have a scotch first because <laughs> I came out for a drink to celebrate winning that battle and I want my fucking drink. With my new Echoes. Uh, yeah. My new kit. Yeah, the new Echoes. So after that, you know, I went to the went to the hospital. They were trying to put me in the ambulance. I was like, I'll just walk there. I don't want to pay the ambulance fee. And they're like, you're going to bleed to death if you walk there. I'm like, it's only a K away. I'll just walk. And they're like, we need to put you in a neck brace. I'm like, my neck's fine. And they're like, stop moving, bro. Stop moving. So they got me in the ambulance. They took me to the hospital and um, they had me waiting, waiting in the in the stretcher, you know. And um, I went in and they were stitching up my face and my, my neck and my head. They had to get some glass out of my head. In fact, this morning, a pimple popped on my head here and a little bit of glass came out. So I still get... I still get little reminders sometimes. Wow. Um, but he was doing the stitches in my back and I was kind of grimacing a bit because it was hurting. I could feel it popping my skin and the string pulling through. Fuck. And she's like, oh, it shouldn't be hurting. I'm like, well, I'm, it is. Like, I'm not, I didn't say anything. I was just, she could see on my face. Like, she was kind of angry at me. And like, she goes, oh, we'll wait a few more minutes for the anesthetic to kick in. Okay, so wait a few more minutes. She puts another stitch in, pop. I feel it pull through the skin. I'm like, oh, she's like, it shouldn't be hurting. I'm like, the anesthetic doesn't look like that needle there on the on the table that's full. <laughs> Does it? She's like, oh, she hadn't put the anesthetic in yet. Anyway, I, I don't blame her. It was late at night. It's a drunken buffoonery. buffoonery Bloody buffoon. There, you know, yeah. stitching up. Morons that have been bottling each other. You know, I just want not, my scotch. The job description. Where's the scotch? Yeah, yeah. So after that, you know, I went from Mister Sober. I'm going to win this rap battle. Watch me come home and put. Actually, the reason I, the reason the motivator was, <laughs> Cinch's dad <laughs> was like condescending about the rapping and how it was not the coolest thing and I was like I'm going to come here tomorrow with the goddamn trophy yeah. I'm going to win the battle and I'm going to bring it. yeah so he was he was my motivation so I went from being I'm going to stay sober and I'm going to win and I'm going to try my hardest to like I don't want to get stabbed again mm. so I started being more of an alcoholic I started being in fights like all the time instead of being like I guess there's a few ways you can deal with trauma one is you can be victimized or one is you can be a bully and um definitely i've thought about it over the years obviously and um i didn't want to be a victim again i didn't want to feel um like uh that could happen again so if i thought someone was gonna fight me i'd just fight them subconsciously Um, yeah you weren't even aware of it at the time but yeah yeah it wasn't wasn't, yeah it wasn't like yeah exactly Mm. subconsciously i wasn't planning it it was, I built a shell around myself, which was like a, a protective armor. And when I say that, I mean, I physically did it as well as mentally. Like 
you know, in ta- have you seen Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro? Mm. The classic film. Before the bloody crescendo of ultraviolence at the end of the film, he leads up to that point and you see him building himself and he would hold his hand over the stove. You know what I mean? And he'd be doing his chin-ups and he'd yep. hold his hand over the stove and he'd be hardening himself. Getting like ready for battle war. ready. Yeah. I used to do weird shit like that. I used to cut myself and pour ink in it, make tattoos. I used to burn myself. I used to punch myself in the face. I'd sit in my room and just punch myself in the face. No one's going to knock me out. No mm. one's ever going to knock me out. I don't have an iron jaw. I just punch myself in the, like, fucked up shit. Like, Dude, that's fucking gnarly, like bro. That. Like, that's serious, yeah, I, serious I, trauma. Became, I, I let demons into my mind, mm. 100%. Like, let demons into my mind. Like, I'm not a religious person, but... There was demons yeah. <laughs> and um, I opened the floodgate for them. So I would be Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky and then someone would spill a beer on me and it would be like when you pull the lever on the old school pokies machine and it'd go ding, 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 yeah. ding. <laughs> Except the spinning thing would be my eyeballs yeah. and the thing that lights up behind it would be With, flames. Yeah. And I would get these flames. I'd feel them come from the floor. They'd go through my feet and then they'd go behind my eyes and I'd just be like, damn, and I'd lose control. And the strange thing about it was I found this calm sense of peace when I was in the eye of the storm. Mm. So my monkey mind and my bipolar and my, my, my mental issues would be raging torrent, a raging torrent. But when I was in a fight with three bouncers, you know, yeah. and I'd pull an pull a aerial off a car and use it to whip a few bouncers in the face, yeah. like that would be like peace. Yeah, it's you know, interesting. I'd man, wear a big belt buckle, a big metal belt buckle, I'd take my belt off, and I was doing all sorts of stupid shit. Yeah, you know. What age uh, was that? What age? So, what age was the attempted murder? I was 19. 19. 19. So 20, 20, 21, 22, I was. I mean. In 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 the graph world, those in a normal world, those kind of behaviors leave you ostracized you know and i did lose i did lose a lot of friends i had to like reshape my friend group because a lot of people that i came up with when you're young everyone does graffiti but then when you get old enough to go out a lot of people drop off yeah you know? so you've got to find new the people that keep painting the people that are still active a lot of people get real lives and jobs and move on or some die or some go to jail or some become drug addicts you know it's a strange scene the term real life um, the term real lives though is yeah it's it's debatable but depends what you mean by real life i mean what's you know what's seen as a real life life. yeah 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 Yeah. but go on everyone's got a real life for sure to some degree Mm. but um yeah so in within the graffiti scene a lot of these behaviors don't necessarily get I mean, some of them get lauded as uh, good things, <laughs> you know. Like it, 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 in a normal in a normal environment, if you did such a thing, you'd be ostracized. Whereas in graffiti, the ethos behind your name, like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, don't cap the Baylor piece. I think yep. it's crazy, and it's and and the problem with that is the ethos behind your name becomes bigger than you. It's building and then you the have ego. to live up to your own self, mm. and you start you start doing things. You don't know who's in control anymore. You're like, am I doing this because I should be doing this or am I doing this because that's what's expected of me now? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's funny because with graffiti you create a persona within your letters, within your – it's like a, a, a an alternate version of you that's out there 
And a lot of people are able to just have that as their alternate them and live an, a separate life. But if you only live that life, mm. it becomes an embodiment of yourself. So what you project becomes, a, it's like a caricature on steroids. So I would meet someone in the city and they'd be like, you're not Baylor. Baylor's eight foot tall. And I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like there'd be some bullshit rumors, you know, and yep. then I'd probably end up belting that guy. Yeah. Like, am I tall enough now kind of thing? Like, yep. I, I was in a, a bad headspace, you know what I mean? Yeah. Was that immediately like, after? How, how long How long was that period? It was a long time, man. Like yep. I, I listened to um, Danny Young's podcast with you the other day and I, I, I wish I had to come up that way with those guys. Like I think the, the CI guys thing. are so smart about it. Like 100%. They do graph, but they have balance, you know yep. what I mean? They all have their tattooing and their band and yep. they, they never went only do graph and just put that. As and in, drugs. You know, they're always so smart about it. Yeah, dude. That's yeah, what I thought as well, man. When I was talking to him, I was like, I said that to him either on it or off air. I was like, man, yeah, they were coming up. They had the fucking, you know, punk band, the graph. Whereas for us, I mean, I don't know about you, but it was just graph and drugs. You know what I mean? It was like... Weekend yeah. comes around, yeah. drugs, graph, fucking repeat cycle, you know, what else? there was no music outlet yeah. or, you, you know. Need, you, need, you need things, you know, you need things to keep you on mm. the straight and narrow, whether that's sport, whether that's training, you know, whether that's a hobby, you need something. Mm. <laughs> if you don't have a normal job, like <laughs> you've got to have something going on for you or else you get stuck in a cycle of bullshit and yeah. you, watch, you watch people Get, go in and out the rotating revolving door in and out of jail and all that stuff like mm. but yeah what were we saying yeah so um, that yeah, went so on that was going on you were you were getting you were getting violent and was the we really taking graph seriously at that point like we did did it straight bombing yeah, come yeah, first yeah. or track sides or trains or like what was was it all at once i mean nowadays nowadays it seems like you know a lot of people want to do one thing or the other, like they only want to do throwies. Or, yep. I mean, Scarface is killing it in all things, you know, but, uh, you know, he he's, does lots of panels and bombing and rooftops and pieces. He's, he's, he's the all-rounder, you know what I mean? 100%. Like that, back then that was the goal, to be an all-rounder. Like you looked at someone like Dorps as the hero. You're like, mm. he had insides, him and Pubes did lots of insides and then throwies everywhere. Then they had chromies on every line. But then they'd also have a burner on every line. But then they'd also do panels all the time. <laughs> and then they'd do burner panels that were better than everyone else that would say easy as a wall part one, part two. And you're like, yeah. what the hell is going on? This guy, he's like just always painting. But I guess he was just smart about it. Like he'd go do a few chromies in a night and a burner, you know, mm. like, like uh, Strategize. Thought, thought out process. So, yeah. Yeah. So we would try to do. Um, lots of track sides, but not just on one line, you know, we tried to do every line and we'd do panels and a bit of bombing and just, yeah, go out to lots of hip hop gigs. and Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I was in a weird headspace, you know, like I mm. thought if I didn't, if I didn't fight on the weekend, I was going soft. Yeah. Like, fucking hell. Straight up. Like if I went a week without fighting, it was like, I, I wasn't, yeah, like weird in the head, you know. That's crazy, man. But um, yeah, super. Like, think about it now. Like, I was not right. You know what mm. I mean? Did but, um, did you yeah, did yeah. you seek sort of stuff for that, or did you just work through it yourself through training, or um, a few things happened. You know, like I um, I woke up in hospital handcuffed to a bed 
with police over me mm. two weeks in a row. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I might have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't actually, it was when I went to court and they said, you're looking at two years jail. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, um, shit, I need to make some changes There's something here. going on here. So I had, I, yeah, I did the whole, went sober. You know, they sent me to drug and alcohol counselling and um, cognitive skills, violence intervention, um, all that stuff. Got a suspended sentence and blah de blah de blah. But had to reevaluate things and have a long hard look in the mirror. I'm sort of, I mean, lots of things happen in life. You know, everyone has different different stages that they learn things at, mm. and um, some people, you know, some people just <laughs> go to school and then go to uni and they get their job and whatever, whatever. And then 10 years later, they're a pedophile, you know, mm. or they go to school, go to church and get their job and then they bash their wives. I yep. feel like I got all my bullshit out of the way. And now when I am an adult, I can be a good person now. Yeah, like, sure. <laughs> you know, like sure. all these straighty one eighties. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. You can't hear me. Hang on. I can hear you now. I yeah, can hear you now. sweet. <laughs> I feel like you, you look at all the people that, you know, it's their job to, to pass judgment, whether that's a, an official in a church or a judge or whatever, and you go, oh, that's funny. There was 10 judges in South Australia that were putting schoolboys in rope and putting cigarettes out on them, pits on them, and you're like, what the fuck? Mm. And, you know, or there's the Catholic Church in Bendigo or Ballarat or any backwater little place that just fuck the shit out of a whole generation of, of men. Like I know, it's insane. And these are the people that these are the people that live good, decent, wholesome lives mm. that on the surface never did anything wrong. But really there's a, a, a deep, dark undercurrent of filth running through their veins. Whereas me, I always wore the filth on the surface. Mm. If someone looked at me wrong, I just either say it to them or do something about it. Like because now, obviously, I understand that's fucked, and the only thing you get out of projecting negativity is negativity. Is negativity and the, yeah. only, the, the main, the main person that suffers from aggression is the person committing the act of aggression. Mm. It, obviously, except the victim that they, if they, if they hurt the victim. But um, yeah, I feel like I never, I never. I never fought anyone that didn't have it coming. It was other graffiti writers. It was bouncers. It was, mm. you know, people that, other people projecting when you go, negativity when you go out, potentially. <clears throat> What's that? Other people projecting negativity as well. Negative meets negative. You attract. Well, you when attract. you go out, um, we'll take it. We'll take it back to the graph around. Um, so you've gone through these yeah. these motions. What sort of period did ID form, and who were the main heads at the beginning of that, and and what was happening around that time? Okay, so I was painting with Drastic a lot um, and paneling with him and biceps and a few other heads like that. And then Drazo went to jail a few times. So I was like, okay, I started, oh, I did a short course. So I, I needed someone else to paint with. And uh, I met my mate, um, Awesome, Oz, yep. uh, who used to write Scent. And um, he was a lot older than me and had like real dope um, graphic style. Like every, he, he didn't paint as often, but when he did, 
it was a burner, you know. Mm. So I'd be like, oh, I did 10 pieces this week. And he'd be like, I did one and it's banging, you know, and it, it'd have all the right colours and it'd have caros on the sides and stuff like that. So we started painting together in 2000 and maybe four. And we just um, kick around and do track sides together and rooftops and stuff. And then in about 2006, I think I started putting up ID um, next to my pieces. Um, and then I, I mentioned it to him and then him and I started it as a crew. And then we just were so active that it was like magnetism to other people that were so active that were mm. also kind of strangers. We weren't, you know, a lot of crews like a cool dudes that are all skate or they're, you know, like, uh, you know, they're all in bands or whatever. We were like the, 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 the sort of the, the weirdos, like yep. the idiot drunks, the ID, the instinct driven, the, the ill disciples. We were these like um, kind of dudes that all had been painting for a long time, but didn't really necessarily like slot into some crew. Like, yep. A lot of the guys like, like Renob in ID, I I'd, I'd I'd been in previous crews with him when we were real young. Like um, he was in BTR and TKO with me and um, Pext and others back in the day. So we it was a no brainer to put him in the crew. But yeah, a lot of the other guys were just super active, and uh, yeah, and there was like dudes that were one guy that was a super active bomber, one guy's a super active train painter, one mm. guy's a this, one guy's a that, one guy's a that. So when we all merge together, it's like, well, the super active train painter, he knows some times, so everyone goes and does more panels. And yep. super, it's just like all fed into each other. And, you know, we even had, um, you know, like Prism was in the crew and Prism was part of the starting of Everfresh. So even in the early 2000s when street art was just sort of beginning uh, to, to blossom in Melbourne, he was one of the OGs like of that scene as well as like he would come and do panels with me and drastic and do characters and stuff. Mm. And he was, he was also doing stencils with Banksy around the city and Banksy flew him to London to do some exhibitions and stuff. So, you know, a lot of the, the young dudes now like Fox street up this, that, and the other, it's like, mm, well, we all kind of, we would go hang out at Everfresh and they'd have parties there and shit. And, um, the graphers, there'd be lots of graphers there. Like mm. it was actually the street dope. up, the street up was street. Well, it was street art back then. It wasn't muralism. It wasn't for money. It was other people getting active in the streets. So mm. even though we might not have been like, oh, we love that stuff, don't get me wrong, we also had periods when we were young when we hated street art and I remember sick knocking out someone over some bullshit. And Anyway, but there was like this, it was different to how it is now. It wasn't mm. so, I don't know, polarising. But, I mean, it's gone strange now. It's gone like. It's gone from street art to muralism to like um, this industry of um, hallmark cards. You know, mm. it's a, it's it's lost its kind of soul in a way. It doesn't have so much. Um, I mean, there's still good people doing good stuff, but a lot of stuff is a bit like old lady um, tea towel art. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. So but, um, during yeah. during this period of growing up and going through the motions, like, were you working? Like, we'll go more into your music and, and writing, but I know you have a pretty strong sort of anti-systematic mind state in terms of the nine-to-five life cycle I mean, and, I and always, the matrix. I had, I, no, I had, I had shitty jobs. I mm. did. I, I had, I had um, shitty jobs, like, in, um, in a deli or in a supermarket or in a bottle shop or in a uh, – what else? I was in a news agency, you know – 
whatever, whatever jobs here and there. And then I'd do a little bit of this and that and the other on top of that mm. to supplement. How do you and think then, you started um, forming those I, views though? And when did you sort of make the decision you didn't want to be a part of, of, of like the mainstream workforce, you know, like how did those well, views? Well, I'm, I'm in two minds about it. Like, mm. cause I went to a select entry high school, which is like you pass an entrance exam and everyone there is an uber nerd. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing was like this old castle on a hill you know, and their their mentality was like, you're better than everyone else and we're all going to be doctors and lawyers. And I was <laughs> like, well, that's not my bag, man. Yeah. Like, and they didn't really like people to be different. So, I mean, I always hated authority because, um, I don't know, I'm switched on <laughs> and I can see reality uh, and hypocrisy. 100%. So the problem is if you think too much, often you get analysis paralysis. So I'm in two minds about the whole thing. Thinking your anti-establishment could also just be a cop-out that you never want to try, you know. Mm. It could be like, oh, I'm too good for everything. Everything's a sham. And it's like, well, yeah, that means you don't have to ever pass the exam or go try out and become something. But Mm. on the other hand, I also picture myself doing things like, oh, you could be a lawyer. And it's like I could also suck on the fun end of a shotgun like, yeah. <laughs> and press the magic button, you know. Like, like yeah, I, I think there, 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 are, there are obviously great things about our society. There's just a whole lot of things that are. Unbalanced. Yeah. That are, yeah, they're just made to keep people in a certain way, in a certain mm. path. And it, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But the thing that sort of snapped me, you you asked me earlier um, how I started dealing with my own uh, BS trauma that created the demonic behavior. Mm, From the the Uh, next square. That would be a a girlfriend uh, at the time saw an article in the paper about – the council was doing a proactive graffiti thing where they were getting some murals done and and youth work and stuff. And she was like, you should ring up. You, you know, you do this all the time and you can talk to people and da, 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 da. I'm like, stuff that I don't want to do that. It's whack. It's all about trains. Like every other writer in the world says when they're a cool, young, cool dude. And then she ended up calling the number and handing me the phone. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm talking. And then, I ended up going and um, doing like a youth workshop with some younger kids. And I think that talking to other people about the mistakes I made Mm. helped me, you know, Yep. because I was like, oh, maybe this kid's not going to do that. Definitely. (laughs) That that could be a good thing. So I started doing youth work. So in 2007, like that, the the um, phone call to the council and stuff, that was a lot earlier. That was like maybe, I don't know, 2004 or five. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I got a job as a youth worker <laughs> somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, it was only part-time, but I had like a office and, the, uh, and whatnot and would go in and just – borrow the the ute from work and drive around with my little council lanyard and just go into places and say, hey, you need some artwork on your wall and just get a bunch of walls 
have a list of walls and then ha- had a drop-in centre once a week and about 30, 40 kids would come and hang out mm. and um, teach them how to paint a bit better, um, tell them to stop taking as many drugs. <laughs> but, not, but not lecture them, you know, like, hey, man, you want to smoke weed, smoke weed, but just yeah. do it for fun. Don't do it every day. Like, yeah, but what, what sort of examples are you like? Don't take too many drugs because you might end up becoming a painter for the council. Like that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, but, nah, but yeah, no, I get I'll your just point. Be honest, like, yeah, I just be honest. Like, if you eat cakes all day, you're gonna be fat. If you smoke weed all day, your hair's gonna stink. Your yeah. breath's gonna stink. You're not gonna get any girls. Like, mm. like, man, be you know, go to the gym. Get 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 swole, bro. Like, mm. <laughs> be <laughs> young. Do like something. You, You've got you've got your, your hormones are firing. Go to the gym and stay focused and and um, you know yeah. It's all about role models, things. man. Like especially in the graph scene, you fucking you you've yeah. Your role models can be pretty. If you're not in that band environment, find, like you've like those find dudes outside the scene, if yeah. You, if, if you you know, there's there's a few in the scene. Mm. You know, definitely there are some. There are some good. There are some great people. All of my friends are insane. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, when you're young. When you're young and you're hanging out in the park drinking, if yep. there's a dude there who's 10 years older than everyone else there and he's telling you what's up, it's a potential that he's actually a fucking crumb. <laughs> so, you know, he might sound cool when you're 16 and he's 27 and he's telling you all about this, that and the other, but yep. maybe there's a reason the other 27-year-olds aren't hanging out with him. 100%. So you know, There's a lot of those. I call them I call them Fagans, you know? Yeah. They've they, they got, got to pick a pocket or two, you know. They lead the kids astray, you know. Fagans. Oh, okay. Fagans. I'll, I'll, I'll write that one down. So is that how you started moving into the legal art space and the festival scene? Like I remember um, tripping, tripping balls one day at a Rainbow Serpent on acid or something and staring at your tech dragon or some sort of biotech thing on one of the toilets. Um, how was that transition <laughs> and, and what was the process of sort of marketing yourself to, to, get, to get out there and saturating the city and shit? Well, um, the the painting painting for jobs initially just started as a way easier way to get paint than racking paint. Mm. Like, you know, racking four cans at a time or walking out with a green bag. It's like cool if you do it a few times, you have a bootful. But you could just quote a job for a thousand tins mm. <laughs> and then paint for a month like without you know like it literally started as to because my graffiti is my addiction right at you know uh, that was my main thing so it was always just a supplementary thing and then I guess everything else just you don't want to do the same thing forever mm. sorry I just started sketching <laughs> So there was a pen near me. Um, uh, so the, even even the going to Doofs, like that was as, as corny as it sounds, that was like a transformative moment in my life, you know. Mm. That was a huge part of my healing and changing of my aggressive demeanour because mm. I've, it's been a slow process of like a fight every week to a, a fight every month to the next year a fight once every couple of months to like mm. the next year oh, I was only in three fights this year to the next year oh, I was only in one fight this year to the yep. next year oh, I went a whole year without fighting someone until that guy like mm. so 10 years you know slowly getting better and growing and becoming less like of a trigger fuse like and, and being able to let shit slide like some 
one is rude to you, so what? But then every now and again, someone does something, oh, you capped my piece, well, bang, like mm. whatever. But it slowly was progressing with life and growing up and learning and changing. But then, you know, I had a, I have a lot of friends from different scenes. I don't just yep. have friends in one scene. Like that's, you know, having, having only a group of one thing, it's like, you're going to be blinded. You're going to have your blinkers on. But 100%. like I grew up only listening to hip hop, like fuck everything else. Everything else is whack. And this full blinders on attitude, which a lot of older hip hoppers in Australia have. It's a funny one. Despite the fact that hip hop's made a lot of samples of all these other genres and, mm. and you know, a lot of, successful hip hop artists listen to every music genre they can to sort of broaden their, 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 their repertoire 100%. and their tastes and their, and, and, and their inspiration. But a lot of the guys here have got this like nineties attitude of alcoholism is cool. And being a dumb bogan is cool. And, you know, so I got sick strange. of going to all the hip hop. I got sick of going to hip hop events and it was just dudes in hoodies nodding their head. There was no dancing. There was hardly any women and and yeah, it was like no wonder I was getting fights. Like Bro, so yeah. when I think I think Itch was the the one that told me to come to a, a Bushdorf, and it was probably about ten years ago. Um, Rainbow Serpent, and I was like, oh, a bit umming and ahhing about it. It's like, well, I, I can travel the world, I can do all these weird things, but I can't go see a different different thing. So travel is another huge thing that changed me as well when mm. I started traveling. Like. We'll get in. We'll get into travel. Don't worry. Tell me. Tell me about the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the festival experience. Yeah. So the festivals. I went to. I went to Rainbow Serpent, and it was transformative. Like I felt like, oh, I found my tribe. Like mm. people that like to get high and have fun and not take themselves seriously. Like beautiful people everywhere, dressed in hardly any clothes or funny outfits or bikinis or whatever just dancing in the sunshine and cool music, all different types. Like it wasn't just techno. There was house, there was trance, there was some hip hop, there was mm. some trip hop, there was some chill. There Live was bands. All these different mm. genres. Yeah. And like, you know, some of the music isn't my thing, but if I do a few bumps of this bag and a few bumps of that bag, I can pretend it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. to. I mean, obviously even the festival scene, has changed a bit over the years because it got more and more popular. Like all, all kind of subcultures and subgenres have sort of been watered down due to social media because people mm. post stuff on social media and other people see how cool it is and then it, 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 it becomes um, way more popular and 100%. then the, the types of people that go there, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm new to it. I've only been going for 10 years so I can't talk like I'm some old school this, that and the other. Mm. But you'd see like, all of a sudden it's gone from just everyone there who's happy to see you and will talk and share whatever they've got and you share whatever you've got and everything was, you know, super loving. Mm. And then like over the years, like, fake, you know, influencers would be there, like chicks with fake tits and fake lips taking selfies at the Dude, edge of the dance floor. I've got to, I've got to mention. Moving. And then they go and then they go get changed in another outfit and come back and do it again. They're not, they're not talking to anyone or actually dancing and, just like, or like, you know, different types of people started coming, but whatever that everyone's entitled to come. Yeah. But the thing the is, the thing is, is, is like, I, I was lucky enough. I started going, going real young. Um, yeah. and it was even, di- but in Victoria, 
it was different then to what it is now. You know, like even yeah. in, yeah, well, six, seven years, it's, it's changed to what you're saying. But I went to one in Queensland like two weeks ago. Yeah, has, yeah unreal. Like, yeah, the same as what Still it was. So it's, it's interesting that, um, I don't know, Victoria, because what was it, Stereosonic and all that um, got cancelled. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's – and, and also social media. From that. Yeah, man, that was yeah. the ripple. But, yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to, I went to that and just was like, wow, you know, like obviously being the kind of guy I am, I push everything too hard. Like, mm. so I went there and was, you know, doing more drugs than would kill Farlap. You know what I mean? Like the, the whole kit and caboodle and, and, um, but just met heaps of cool people, had heaps of fun and, and painted there. Just, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like get hooked up to paint there. I just went there. And my mates were painting there, and I was like, "Oh, you guys paint here?" And they're like, "Yeah, we always paint here." I'm like, "Cool." And they're like, "There's space on the wall." And I'm like, "Sweet." So I just painted there. And was then that at Matreya? Was it at Rainbow? That was at Rainbow. And I saw then, you at Matreya um, actually t- tackle this dude. Yeah. See, that was the thing. See, I was. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I've changed. I'm a good guy. I'm not fighting anymore. And then this dude comes up, starts tagging on the mural. I'm like, "What are you doing, bro?" And he's like, "You yeah. guys are painting the wall." I'm painting the wall. I'm like, man, I've just organized, like I ran the art for that year. I'm like, I just organized 45 artists. I've been here for days. I've painted all these boards black and I've given everyone their space, given everyone their paint. I've put in fucking days of work in the sun. Fuck and off. tagging yeah. on. Yeah. And he's like, whatever, whatever. I got smart and I let it slide. I was like, I won't do anything stupid. I I'm, saw. I'm yeah. having a good time. I'm not that guy anymore. I turn around. He's picked up another spray can and just started tagging. And I launched that kind into space. Yeah. Dudes were coming up to me the next day, like, were you in orbit? Like, <laughs> I, I roughly tackled him and just lifted him off the ground and then just landed on him so hard that it was like, I'm pretty sure there was a, a, a shape of a person in the, in, the, in, the, in the dirt, you know, like in the cartoons when mm. Wiley Coyote falls off a cliff. There was like this dirt shape of a person. <laughs> yeah, I saw anyway. that. I saw that with my own eyes. And I mean, yeah, it's like, as you said, it's it's not the right way to deal with things, but I saw he I saw with my own eyes what he was doing and he, he wouldn't let he wouldn't let go, you know? Um It was like, oh no, you've awoken yeah. the demon. <laughs> everything went <laughs> slow mo. Like, yeah, everything went slow mo for mm. him, that's for sure. Yeah. But um yeah, that's yeah, like you said, it's the wrong way to deal with shit. But in that situation it's kinda like I've put in that much work. I've put in that much effort to fucking, you know what I mean? And you're not, you're not going to respect that. Like, yeah. And I already tried it civilly and I already tried, I tried it by just telling him what was up. And Mm. then I tried it by really telling him like, you better fucking stop it. Mm. And then I had to show him. I remember. What was that? What's some of your favorite memories you reckon from, from. Oh man. I was at Matreya and it was, it was next to a lake and I dressed up in a Baywatch outfit. I had the little red shorts and I had big aviator sunnies and I had a whistle and I'd written Matray watch on the shorts like it was Baywatch. And then I'd met these, these two girls that were sisters and they both had Baywatch outfits that said Bay, like B-A-E watch. So they were like on either side of me and we were patrolling the lake and we were like making sure people weren't drowning. So I was just blowing the whistle and if I blow the whistle, like you swim between the flags and like a nice cute girl, like might pretend to be drowning and say, give me mouth to mouth. But I'd swim over and give her mouth to mouth. <laughs> and then I'd like, I'd blow the whistle. Like you need to take more ketamine. You yeah. need to take more ketamine. Yeah. Like, 
And they had a big uh, uh, water slide set up there. I think Duke had bought that and he'd painted a piece on the back. And the guy was like, man, you need to you need to come here every year and run the water slide. I was like, man, I'm already running the water slide. I was like standing on this pile <laughs> of mud next this thing. And, yeah, and then we commandeered someone's boat. There was all these boats that yep. were like paddling out. Yeah, it was it was really good fun. Yeah, like, Matreo so was, was epic, yeah. man. There's... Earth frequency is the only thing that's really, really um, compared to that that time. That was that was yeah. an epic time with that lake and shit. Just uh, when a whole lot of people that aren't that drunk, they're more like on MDMA and yeah. you know everyone's just happy. It's not like going to like you know any other music where everyone's just drinking and smoking and shit. It's a di- that's a different vibe. Oh, booze like is fucking shit, that are man. Booze makes people dumb. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I like to drink. Like yeah. at Rainbow Serpent. I'll make a huge cock. We all make, we try and outdo each other with beautiful cocktails and we mm. share them with everyone on the dance floor. But maybe you put half a bag of MD in your cocktail. You make yep. like five liters of cocktail with all fruits and, mm. you know, some Frangelico some and ice. some this and some that. And, mm. and then you share it with everyone on the on the dance floor and you, you, you know, you let them know what's in it first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe there's some speed in there. Yep. Maybe there's some MDMA in there. No GHB. But, um, no, none That's of that. For sure. <laughs> But yeah, drugs drugs are good if you use them in the right ways, you know. Mm, did but you uh, have you been involved in you, any know? of the workshops or, or anything there, or more more of just a party vibe? No, just um, like we just would uh, come there a few days early and paint up different areas mm. for some tickets and some a um, little bit of money, and then that would pay for the time there. Yeah, sick. Are you gonna do? Yeah, are you doing any coming upcoming ones? No, I mean like. Uh, I'm, you know, twenty something years of spray paint. I had a bunch of health issues, so I'm just I'm lately I'm like, uh, focused on my health. I'm not, you know, yep. I'm not a huge drug or alcohol yep. guy. I'll have a cocktail or two, or you know, every now and again I'll have a little bit of this and that and the other or whatever. But mm. I'm mainly like gym, good food, go spear fishing, get outside, paint a little bit. You know, just try and lead a healthy lifestyle yes yeah, um, you know if, if there was a festival come up maybe i'd go but i'm also a bit more i mean post lockdown everyone's a bit weird but i'm a bit more trepidatious about that kind of stuff because it does take a toll on your body like i said earlier i'm 37 now like yeah man if you go five days to a party even if you like i went to the last one i went to was strawberry fields mm. just before the lockdown and i went First festival I've done completely sober. I didn't do any drugs or alcohol at all. Yep. Just drank water and danced. The only difference I had was that by about eleven thirty at night, I actually had to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. So I just did the same <laughs> thing, bro. I was, was going to ask body. you that. I just did the same thing at, at Earth Freak, but um, yeah, I was going to see if you'd done one, done one like that. What did you think of it? <clears throat> I had a great time. Yeah. I had a, 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 it was like. Just as much fun sober as with everything else. Hundred percent, bro. And um, yeah. Young, yeah, like I said, the only difference was that if you, you know, if you want to dance all night, good luck. Have a couple of coffees yeah, or something. Yeah, but, fucking oath. So, in your Insta bio, you say well travelled. Um, what countries have you been to, and how do you think travelling and these experiences have impacted your life? Well, um, I was a bit late to the table with the travel thing because. Mm. Uh, all those issues that were happening with me, it wasn't first and foremost on my mind. I actually, even for a long period of time, wouldn't even let myself like go away for the weekend because in my head I was like, 
who's going to paint Melbourne? Who's going to run Melbourne? Like I had this thing, I have to be the king. I have to be the king. Like in my mind, like I have to run shit. I have to Mm. like constantly. And I wouldn't even let myself go away anywhere because I felt like I'd be leaving the train tracks all empty. Like Mm. I I was, you know, you program yourself to behave certain ways. Like it sounds weird, but how else do you think people are out? Like you look at world and cola now painting all the time. Like you've got to have a motor reasons Drive, to be yeah, every yeah. night out painting. Like mm. so, you you program yourself in certain ways, and you create, you manifest things. And yeah, mine was this weird. I I couldn't take time off. This a weird one, but mm. yeah. So, but in about two thousand and nine, I think it was, I went to Vietnam with my girlfriend at the time, and that was the first time i'd been overseas as an adult like i went once when we were kids Mm. my mum's auntie passed away and left her a few thousand dollars so she was able to take us all to bali in like 1996 and that was that was the first time we'd gone overseas um but that like see that was amazing that should have made if, if maybe if that happened when i was a bit older i would have taken the ball and run with it but because I was about 12 or something, by the time I got to the age like of 18 or whatever, I wasn't, it wasn't in my mind. Yeah, you'd forgotten. But even that, even then, like when we were in Bali in 96, like, you know, it, it, obviously it still had tourism and stuff, but it, and it wasn't 1986, but it's, it was a lot lit. Like I've been to Bali a few times since and it wasn't like it is now. Like we were on the street and this big procession came down the street. And they were all chanting and holding this giant castle made of um, uh, ornate sculptures that they'd made out of like um, paper mache and painted and stuff. Mm. And it had hundreds of people carrying it. And then they had these sculptures of cows that had about 20 people carrying each sculpture of cows, about five. And my dad asked someone what was going on. They said, it's a cremation ceremony. There's 11 bodies in the, in the castle and there's one in each cow. So my dad just grabs onto the um, wood and starts helping them carry it. And they're just like, you know, if you did that in Australia, you get punched in the face. You start mm. helping someone carry the body to the funeral. And they're like, come on, it's in a celebration of life. And they invite, like they dragged us along with them, uh, my whole family, my brother and myself, my mum, my dad. And we followed through the town, this procession, and they put the they put the stuff up on this grass clearing and started lighting it all on fire. And um, it was made of bamboo and the bamboo all started exploding. And I remember a big piece of bamboo exploding and a human skull came flying out on fire. And I was 12. That was the coolest (laughs) shit I have ever seen. It was like some fucking Hadougan, you know, like that was like, that was straight out of Mortal Kombat. And this dude starts screaming and I was like, "Why why is he screaming? And someone explained that without the head, the body can't ascend to paradise or heaven or whatever mm. um, afterlife they're prescribed to. Yep. So this dude goes running over and just picks up this burning skull and launches it back into the fire and, like, burns his hand. And then <laughs> as he does that, these people, these people release these baby birds into the air and they all fly into the air. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, I, I, I have never left the country in my life and I'm mm. seeing people throwing human skulls into fires. That shit was like, whoa. And that that should have been the catalyst for lots of travel. And, you know, when, when my brother finished high school, he was a super intelligent guy, but he 
I mean, he still is, <laughs> but he straight away was traveling, you know, like hiking through, um, you know, Indonesia and then mm. going to um, Thailand and da 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 and then uni and living overseas and all that stuff it was me. I was like, oh, some dude tried to kill me. Poor me. Yeah. I'm angry. Ra ra ra. Where where where? You know, yep. spend my life like like sorry and angry. Like yeah, not your life. It came it came back around though. It came back around. Do you know what I mean? It was just the just the early days. Yeah. Really. So mm. after I got over all that bullshit. 2009 went to went to Vietnam and was like, "Wow, this is awesome! Why have I not um, been doing this?" So I just told myself because I'm I'm not so good at planning or thinking ahead a lot mm. of the time. So I just told myself, from now on, you've got to go overseas minimum once a year for the rest of your life, yep. which obviously got disrupted last year. But um, that's what's been happening ever since. So I, I don't necessarily plan it because I don't think like that. My mind's not necessarily like normal or whatever mm. but if the opportunity arises or on the spur of the moment like um in 2019 my brother goes oh i'm going to nepal to go hiking in the annapurna base camp trek and i said when you're going he said uh in four days i said cool what's your flight number and he goes why and i said i'm coming so i just bought a ticket and came with him nice. um because why not like I don't want to be in ten years and him telling me about the time he went to Nepal. Mm. Oh, that was cool. You should have been there. Like I've had those stories before when my cousin got married in Argentina and I was really young and I'm like, I don't have money. I can't go there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure someone can lend me money. Like I'm sure I could have robbed some fucker. Like I could have come yeah. up with something, but instead I chose the cop out. Oh, I'm not coming. It's too hard, and it's like that's a loser mentality, man. 100%. Like people nowadays, oh, my my friend's getting married in, in interstate or or overseas or whatever. I can't go because I'm working. It's I, like yeah. you're a fuckwit, mate. I know. Tell your boss you've got diarrhea. Yeah, you've got diarrhea for two weeks. <laughs> it's really bad. Don't call me. It's all over the phone. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you can't go through life and not do these 100%, man. Like, during my apprenticeship, I did a I did a plumbing apprenticeship and, um, you know, no one goes away during their apprenticeship. You know, like, you just do your apprenticeship and, like, but, man, I was, like, every year I was, like, nah. I'm, like, there's nothing that's going to stop me from going. Do you know what I mean? Like, they can fire me whatever they – whatever because I'm going and it always it's worked. apprenticeship. I never got sacked. Do you know what I mean? You know? Like – um, yeah. yeah, you got to just have that mind state with they're anything. They're probably getting money. They're probably getting money from the government to yeah. have you there. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so t- tell me about Nepal and. Um... Oh yeah, um, yeah. So that was the most recent trip, mm. and then in 2020 we got to Tasmania. So we like, oh, I went overseas <laughs> <laughs> because the lockdown. You can't go anywhere. Else. Yeah, like that counts. That counts. Just for self <laughs> self sanity. So Mm. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, so after Vietnam, what was next? Um, I went to Vietnam 2009. Um, where else have I been? Hong Kong. Europe trip, didn't you? Yeah, been a few, few trip. Yeah, I've done two trips to Europe. Mm. Um, oh, those Italy you made some good, made some good dudes. Yeah, well, I, um, the first time I went on my own and met up with um trio over there. Yes, yeah, and he was staying with some dudes, and we just um. We just painted trains. We painted like, I don't know, 30, 40 panels. Like we did like three whole cars in Berlin and did a whole car in Paris and mm. whole cars in Vienna. And he was living full gypsy life, like just racking paint. And we got the fake interrail tickets and 
um, we're just racking food, racking paint, and painting trains, and um, and hanging out and going to parties. And that was for like three and a half months. Good and time. I managed to do it for like I think I spent a thousand dollars in the whole trip. Fuck, really? <laughs> except, except I did have to give the police eight hundred euros yep. as well. So I could have gone the whole trip on a thousand bucks from sleeping on floors and and just borrowing everything. Being a larrikin. Um, yeah, being a larrikin, but then, um, yeah, the cops caught me. I got in a fight. Da, 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 da. <laughs> that was another story. I got escaped, but they ended up, someone lagged on where we were staying and they came and uh, I'd fight. <laughs> yeah, I won't go into that one. But, um, <laughs> yeah, basically had to give them money. Yeah. Basically had to give them money so that they wouldn't keep me in the prison there. Mm. Um, yeah, that was an interesting one. But yeah, where else? Barcelona. Um, yeah, when we went to Europe, we went all over. And then I went to Europe another time, um, and with my mate Orbit, and went to like northern Italy. And then we went through the Alps to like Liechtenstein, and then we went to Spain. And then we went to yeah, got caught in Spain painting a train and had to go to the lockup for a few days. And How was that? And then. Um, that was fun. <laughs> like the the prison, the, the not the prison, the the holding cell before the prison was like um, just full of gypsies and street traders and yeah, misfits. And they were all singing songs and mm. the food wasn't too bad. And then this dude came in. He was a bit of a smart ass. When I went to get like fingerprinted and stuff, I came back and he'd stolen my blanket. I was like, "Where's my blanket?" He's like, "I don't know." And he had like his blanket and then mine was the pillow like rolled up. I was like, kick over the blanket. Like he was trying to see how he could push it. And he was doing that to everyone. Yeah. This young Egyptian fellow. And um, this Spaniard comes in and um, sits down and starts telling me, he's like, they think I stole a car, but I didn't steal a car. I'm a drug dealer. And he owes me money for the drugs. And I said, what car was it? And he's like a Honda Civic. I'm like, he still owes you three grand. And he's like, someone who understands me. <laughs> Piece of shit car and the guy owned him like ten grand or whatever, and yeah. he's like became my mate. And then that um, Egyptian kid sees the new guy in the cell. He'd already tested me and seen that it wouldn't go anywhere. He tested the next guy, and so he starts testing this little Spanish fellow. And the, that didn't go too well for the Egyptian kid. He got his nose broken, nice. and then the little the little door slid open, and the guard stuck his head in. And I assumed they were going to drag the Spanish guy out of there. But they dragged the Egyptian out of there and they went, finally, someone did it. <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, happy that he got a broken nose because he's obviously been a prick all day. Yeah, he had but, um, but luckily I had, like, a, a Nokia burner phone because all my gear was stashed at some writer's house I'd met that day, like, you know, three days ago, mm. uh, two and a half days ago before getting locked up. And so I didn't even know the address or where did we, you meet, sure Did you meet at a spot or how did you meet? I would have just hung out at the graph shop until I found them or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. My, my, my shitty burner phone had like half a bar of battery on it <laughs> yep. and I managed to get back to where I needed to get. How'd you meet the where guy? Else have I, got? I got a Mongolia, just through, just through mates, you know, yeah, yeah, where yeah. I've gone to Mongolia. I've gone to Thailand, Bali a couple of times, um, Japan. Um, where else? Where else? Um, Vietnam again. I went to Cambodia. My mate, um, Skirter, GH, 
he um, him and his friends had a, a hostel there. And I, I went just after Cinch had died, I was really depressed and really down and um, mm. was struggling a bit with my mental health. And he was like, just come over and we'll ride motorbikes across Vietnam. Is this when like, you recorded their song Island? Um, I, I, I used some footage from that trip in that mm. film clip, yep. but a, we recorded most of that um, on a trip to Bali because um, Carl, my mate Carl Ellison, who's killing it, he's like a mad film dude. Like he does all Tones and I film clips. And he's yeah, I know, of, I know of Carl really for sure. Really what he does. He, was, he, he came to Bali for a holiday as well and a couple of other mates and we were there to paint. We did a bunch of pieces around and whatnot. And while we were there, he had his drone and his camera and stuff. So we did some filming for that there, which was cool. Fuck yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, the, the trip to Vietnam. Yeah, I was after Cinch died, I was, um, you know, a bit out of it and I was making some bad decisions and, I was partying really hard to try and escape my um, m- emotions. In and Melbourne? Was, um, seeing lo- Sorry? In Melbourne? Yeah, before mm. I left, I was, you know, going to doofs and going to clubs and parties. I was about 30 years old mm. and just pushing it really hard and seeing lots of different women, you know, instead of just seeing one and being nice about it, just being a bit of a slut, like, mm. you know, and – and not thinking about other people's feelings, just like trying to be there for people like, Hey, I'm here for everyone when you're feeling bad, but then doing actions that probably didn't equate to that. Like yep. just taking too many drugs yep. and partying too much and not calling people back. And, you know, and then my friend was like, just come over here. And I'm like, all right. And I went over there and he's like, have you ever ridden a motorbike? I'm like, no, <laughs> put me on a motorbike and drove. <laughs> he's like, jump on the back. I'll show you. And, he drove like up the stairs and under a waterfall <laughs> on the back, like you fucking crazy bastard. Like, like we're on this like cliff edge, and he's like, "It'll be sweet." And, like <laughs> sliding out. He's a bit of a crazy man. Yep. And um, yeah. So we we got a couple of uh, crappy motorbikes, and um, I painted mine to look like a dragon, and painted his gold, and we put some um. Vietnamese number plates on them because they don't like you bringing Cambo bikes across the border because I think people do it to make money. Mm. And we just um, drove across the border and then spent a month and a half driving through um, Vietnam. And i got to tell you, like, traveling's dope, but traveling on a motorbike's way dope. Like, mm. you know, you're not on the tourist route, that's for sure. You're not on the bus. You're not on the train. You're just out there and you smell everything. You feel everything when it rains. You're wet, like... And you feel like There's a straight no up badass as barrier. well. I did it in Vietnam too, man. It's well, fucking nearly, unreal. You nearly die about <laughs> five times. I hit a cow, bro. I hit, <laughs> I, I hit a cow coming out of Hanoi. Of oh, fuck. Yeah. And man, they run out in front of you and shit. Or like mm. the truck drivers will like drive past you and give you a like 10 centimeter gap between you and a cliff edge. And you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> like you're going to kill me. And then you're trying not to go off the cliff. And then there's a log in front of you. And yeah. you're like, I'm either going to jump a log and not go off a cliff or go under a, a truck's tires. Or Yeah. It's yeah, sketchy. It's it beyond sketchy fun. over there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, taking, silly, it, you know? taking it back to Melbourne, how did the um, Baylor and Retainer overspray album come out? And how did, uh, yeah. How did that whole sort of, thing come together was retainer already an ID or did you just meet through rapping? Um, 
And how, were, um, how was that? I met Retainer years before. I mm. met Retainer way back in the day when I was like TKO, Balaclava um, crew sort of days. He was, um, I think I met him on the train at Taronga and he was doing insides with a, with like a, a, a 20 mil. He used to bomb a lot as well. He had mad hand styles, real Still wild does. ones mm. all around Burnley and, and Taronga and Kuyong and stuff. He had lots of tags everywhere. I think pretty sure I, I met him there. And I, I think some of my friends and him didn't get along so well, but I, <laughs> I, I, I liked him. But I think he had beef with one of my mates or something, but I think one of my mates might have hit him or something like that. But, um, yeah, later on he, he had made a, a really cool album and I'd always, like, with the rap, like, I won those battles and, like, you know, it was all about rap. But then my trajectory kind of changed after the incident we spoke about. Mm. So I wasn't exactly bringing out albums and touring, you know what mm. I mean? I was mm. living a, a bit of a wilder lifestyle. Mm. Um, and But I still had it in the back of my head. Like, I'd still write songs and record some stuff and, like, as the years passed, like I did a track on Nectar's album, I did a track on Pisces album, I did a track on Selfish's album, mm. and I wanted to do something a bit more with it, but I didn't want to do just a solo album because of a few reasons. Like one, I probably didn't have the confidence to just go and do it on my own, the whole project, mm. and two, I didn't think it would be as interesting just having one guy tell the story the whole time. I think it's mm. kind of you know, like like you look at lyrical commission or, you know, a group. If there's a group, it's like posse shot now. Like it's more interesting sure. and more dynamic if there's – because, you know, hip-hop can be a bit boring. It can be a bit like one dude on stage mm. telling you how hard his life is. And it's mm. like especially Aussie hip-hop when dudes are complaining how hard shit is and it's like, man, go to the beach. It's free. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't live in the ghetto, bro. Like obviously there's people here with issues, but they're like – Indigenous people and illegal uh, illegal immigrants, refugees is what they should be called. But you know the people that we mistreat and and um, the people that that have it hard. Obviously, you know there's people there's people in in bad situations everywhere. But I agree with you. I agree, and I've always thought that as well. But it's like everything's so circumstantial. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like you got to check yourself, but when you're in that fucking in that moment, it's yeah. I don't know. It's 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 a tough one because I definitely I agree as well, and it's like we live in we live in absolute paradise. But yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, and I'm being hypocritical saying it because I was behaving the complete scumbag way for mm. a few years, mm. you know. And so, likewise, so yeah, I, being, I get what you're saying. Yeah, being hypocritical and saying it, we're we're super lucky to live here, you know. And there's there's people with really bad situations here, but your really bad situation here, you, you know, unless you're in. A, like, I don't know, Western Sydney and you're a drug dealer or something, you're not going to walk outside and get shot. Like, mm. you could be in the commission flats. Like, I've got friends from the flats that are, that are that have gone downhill and then there's friends from the flats that have done normal Up. sort of stuff yeah, and become yeah, yeah. a good DJ or become, like, you, you don't necessarily, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure in Australia. If you decide to every day go sit at the spot where they smoke cigarettes and drink long necks, mm. then, yeah, your life sucks, but... You could go ten minutes the other way, and the park is there, and there's there's like flowers. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like it's a choose your own adventure, man. Like definitely. You, you know, like so. Yeah. So the reason I just wanted to do it with 
retainer was like, I guess we have similarities, but we have differences. I thought it would be more interesting. And also it would be motivating to make music with someone else. Like mm. it, instead of like, it wouldn't be a lonely pursuit. It'd be more interesting. Yeah, for sure. So that like was good. We, we put a lot of effort into it. He called me the drill sergeant because, you know, we'd get to the studio and everyone would want to smoke weed and shit. And I'd be like, I'm not fucking paying for you to smoke a joint, bro. <laughs> We're not paying studio time so I can watch you smoke a joint. And he'd be yeah. like, Jesus Christ, drill sergeant, the drill sergeant, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah, we. That, I think that's why, you know, he was more relaxed and I was more like, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to make music, da, 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 da. like, mm. and, you know, he was, I'm going to smoke weed, da, da, da. so it, it was these two different, two different stees and together I think it made a good album and a lot of people um, liked that album, which was good. It's yeah, good man. to bring out something that people don't say sucks. So, oh, man, yeah, um, I remember listening know, to it, Overspray when it came out and uh, that track was like, was like cocaine for for young writers, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, I mean it's a bit of an underground one because we only we printed the thousand CDs, you know, mm, mm. and and we did about ten shows, but we didn't exactly like you see what you look at what Posse Shop's doing now with the ability with self marketing with you know social media and stuff. You can you can do quite a lot with your mm. own with you with your own product with your own whatever you're producing, whether it's art or whatever. Hundred percent. And we kind of. We pushed it so hard for for the making of the process that by the time we were, we were performing it and stuff, I'd probably um you know pissed Steve retainer off a bit for with my drill sergeant behaviour you know mm. um so you know I know now you, you've got to be a bit more compromising with dealing with people you can't just push 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 and yeah know. definitely man but that's why we, yeah we, I like it, I like being a solo a solo writer you know because you just yeah. You can just fucking charge, charge, like, and no one's going to, no one's going to stop you. But that album, that album was definitely dope. Well, yeah. So you did a few gigs? Yeah, we, we did a few gigs at um, SB and some small joints in the Order of Melbourne and Laundry and, um, yeah, another one at the SB. Yeah, we did about 10 shows and, um, you know, uh, made the film clips uh for made a film clip and then after that um yeah we kind of probably pressure cooked it like spent a year too much and then after that it was like all right <laughs> maybe we won't hang out as much yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? so yeah. we're still good mates we're, we're good mates you know and um like uh, you know as demonstrated he rang me to say happy birthday before um it's your birthday you know, today we're friends and we sometimes Oh, it was the other the other day. Happy birthday, um, bro! But uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Um, so yeah, he he's gone on after that to do. He went and did a, a solo project and pushed it super hard. Like made like twenty film clips, and whereas I sort of chilled a bit more on the music, but just mm. made some for fun. Like I would just do like a song or two a year and put out a film clip just for my own entertainment because yep. I like creating stuff. Yeah, and um, you know. Had had a, had a studio. I was lucky enough to get a studio space with Michael Porter um, for free for a year in this old building they were going to renovate. And while I was there, I was like, "Oh, we've got space!" And I, I thought, "Oh, I'd, I'd done this song with Sinks. It was all about politics and stuff." And I thought of that Beastie Boys film clip when they're 
walking through the city and they're fighting like kind of Godzilla style. And I was like, oh, I could build a little city in this studio. So I built a little city out of cardboard and spray painted it all up. And then Carl came in and we filmed a film clip and um, Sinks and I like smashed all the buildings down and burnt yeah, them, like breathed fire on them with a spray can. And What's just, it called again so people shit, can like, look it up? Because it's a good as yeah, it's a good video. Uh, what, is that? Oh, what is it called again? Um, Subparliament. Yeah, Subparliament. That's it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, lament about how um, how um, subpar our parliament is. You know, yeah, it's yeah. quite a clever wordplay, really. It's it nerd is. rap. It's nerd rap. But that was the thing about overspray. You know, I mean, the hip hop I like is like um, nonfiction or um, mm. psycho realm. It's gangster, but it's conscious. Mm. I, you know, when it's too conscious, it's boring mm. or preachy. Like Immortal, Immortal Techniques music's great, but I'm never going to listen to it. It's fucking depressing <laughs> and it's preachy. Like It's like every it's every room smoking bongs was playing Immortal Technique for some reason when you were like, it was like, yeah, what? Yeah, but you wouldn't play it at a party. Yeah, no. Nah, nah, <laughs> you know like what I mean? How depressing is like, that? I, yeah. yeah, so I... I don't want to make music that's too conscious, but I don't want to make music that's too. So it needs to have a good splice of happy and party, but also mm. gangster a little bit, like, you know, a little bit rough around the edges. And then also a little bit of conscious. So Overspray was pretty nerdy. We had full tracks on there about BP oil spills and shit. Like <laughs> we had, uh, yeah. But um, so, yeah, I guess it's just like a soapbox when you make the music. It's like, you could just make a song about popping bottles or whatever. Yeah. Or you could Which is what everyone, everyone's doing at the moment. Like, you know, midnight Oil, you know. You look at Midnight Oil and it's like Peter Garrett did more with his music than he ever did in politics, mm. which for is sure. scary. Like you can become the environment, the minister for the environment and actually do little, if, if anything at all. But your songs can resonate for 30-plus years yeah, and be 100%. environmentally, you know. It's crazy, you know. Hundred percent. So, from our uh, conversation earlier, you said you're living a pretty healthy lifestyle now. What are some of uh, the training and routines you've incorporated into your life, and what do you think the benefits of having these disciplines are compared to when you didn't have them in that trans that transformational time period to now? <clears throat> I mean, the main thing is self respect. If mm. you have self respect, then you're probably more likely to respect other people, and you might think, you know. There used to be a thing about, oh, if you go to the gym, it's because you're vain or you just want to look good. And it's like that's changed over the last 10 years and wellness has become more forefront of people's minds. Definitely. You used to think of people like like Joe Rogan, you meathead, like you, you, you go to the gym and lift weights and now it's like, oh, it's actually about a holistic life. Like you're you're more healthy mentally, physically, you're more switched on, you're more caring, you're, you know, you're less stressed. Like I, I went through a bunch of health problems from all the spray paint and the drugs and the lack of sleep and you know burning the candle at both ends and then chucking it in the microwave with a handful of cutlery, you know. Mm. Like I was, you know, going pretty hard in all directions, pulling my body apart. And, and I got pretty sick. Um, my immune system stopped working. I mean, this has happened to a few guys that use spray paint all the time. Mm. Like I've heard a few of the other writers um have issues as well um but yeah my immune system my my body is full of so many heavy metals that my immune system just started sort of not 
cooperating. And if I got like a scratch on my face when I was jumping a fence or something, it'd get all red and then inflamed and I'd, I'd need to be on antibiotics or like mm. I got bitten by a spider and normally you get bitten by a red back. It's just like a red lump. It's a bit painful. And unless you're elderly or a baby, it doesn't kill you. You know, it's mm. just painful. My body created a cyst around the bite to defend itself because it couldn't take any more toxins and they had to cut from knuckle to knuckle and scrape this huge section of my finger out and you could see inside it. I could send you a video later of mm. filmed. It's pretty disgusting if I can find it. I think it's on Facebook or something, but <laughs> I was filming in, like as they were doing the operations and shit. I was like, let me just film a little bit, you know. Was this at Rainbow was <laughs> but, this before um, a festival or something? I think I remember. Oh, it happened to me three times. Yeah. This is why I ended up looking into my health because yeah, of, yeah. I looked up spider bites, you know, the woo-woo side of it. If a spider bites you, it's trying to tell you something. Mm. If it bites you more than once, it's something important. So I got mm. bitten by the spider on my painting finger. So there's a big a big message right there. Like yeah, you're using sure. the painting finger to spray paint. I had to get most of the from here to here cut open and scraped out so I couldn't use my painting finger and then – and then next time I got bitten on the thumb, mm. <laughs> not the same. So the two fingers that you use for holding a spray can, yep. this this thing is biting me, like not the same spider obviously, yeah. but um, both times ended up in the hospital getting yep. operated on. And then the third time the Hateful Eight had just come out, um, the Tarantino film, and a group of um, seven of my mates and I, eight of us, went to see the Hateful Eight like a bunch of dickheads, like <laughs> we're the hateful apes. <laughs> and um, hang on, my f- yeah. And um, I was in the in the film uh, watching it, and my leg started hurting. And I woke up the next day, and I'd had another spider bite on my leg, and Fuck. it was swollen like a like the size of a grapefruit. Mm. But being me, I drove down to Frankston to paint this job I had in a gym and spent the day painting this humongous piece. Meanwhile, I'm, like, trying not to vomit and pass out, mm. standing on this goddamn leg, and I drove myself from the job to the emergency room. And um, the emergency room at the Alfred, I mean, they do a good job in some regards, but this time they weren't so amazing. And they just gave me some antibiotics and put me in the in a bed for a while and then sent me home when they really should have drained my leg. Jesus. But I, I stayed at home on the couch for a few days, and um, and then when I was able to actually sort of get up and walk around because I was fully out of it, I went and stood in the water at the beach and it drew the stuff in my leg out. So I popped it. It was like a tennis ball in my leg. Mm. And it just full, just kept coming out like an hour or two. And oh. I had to go to Rainbow Serpent in like a few days. And, you know, this is, this is how I treated my body for a long time. Like mm. here I am in working when I should be in the emergency room, mm. then after working for eight hours, driving to the emergency room, then being like, okay, now I need to pop it myself and go to a fucking bush doof for five mm. days. Yeah. So I went to the doctor. I'm like, I'm going to the bush doof, no matter what I'm going. So just make sure I don't die. So he gave me a bunch of antibiotics that he's like, I know you're going to drink and do drugs. So I'll give you some antibiotics that, you know, you can drink on. And he gave me a bunch of stuff to clean the wound and dress the wound. So each day I would wake up, clean the wound, dress it, and then midday I'd do the same thing and in the evening do the same thing because you're dancing in the dirt and whatever. So it was gradually getting better, right? And on like day three, I um, <laughs> I ran out of 
I ran out of stuff to clean the wound with. So I went to the medical tent to um, get some more things. But I, I, I was, <laughs> I'd made outfits for our whole crew that we were, we were um, camped with. There was like 15 of us and I'd gone to op shops and got all these leather jackets and denim jackets and made them into vests. And I'd, I'd spray painted a meerkat with a shotgun with a flower in the end of it and a joint and it said meerkats motorcycle club because the year before we we're on acid and we we're in this high grass all being meerkats for a few hours <laughs> so it was a meerkat motorcycle club and i'd got everyone a pair of sunnies and put eyeballs all over the sunnies and yeah. i'd given everyone a black bandana to put around their head and what else and oh and i got everyone a bike handlebars from Sears, the bike joint near the Yarra. Mm. I got uh, 15 handlebars and a rope around them. So it was like a necklace handlebar. And everyone's like, what are we supposed to do with these? I'm like, these are our motorbikes. So you can lift the handlebars up and rev the engine yeah, and then nice. drive your visible motorbike down to the down to the dance floor. And it was sick, like, because all the securities on motorbikes, so we were like revving, we'd be like, there's someone on our turf and we'd all go <laughs> circle the security guards, like 15 of us on our motorbikes. Pull up the shorties. Yeah, doing burnouts with our feet, like kicking dirt at them and shit. Like, get off the fucking turf, cunt. Like, full talking at them. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Hot girl, like, yeah. yeah, I'd pull up next to a hot girl, like, kick my kickstand down, imaginary kickstand, like, boom, 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 boom. I'd be like, jump on the back, babe, I'll take you down a dance floor. And, like, piggyback them down to the dance yeah, floor and nice. just drop them off and be like, I'll catch you later. And then burn off into the sunset. Just planting seeds. Just planting seeds like a horticulturalist. Just like, yeah, have some more... That's it. Have some more cocaine, you fucking cook. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we went to the, the medical tent as a gang of <laughs> 15 motorbike idiots. Yeah. And um, I went inside and they were all waiting out the front, like, rum, 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 rum. <laughs> I'm like, I just need to grab some stuff. And they're like, what do you need? I'm like, well, just some like um, alcohol swabs and some um, band-aids and stuff. And they're like, what for? I'm like, oh, don't worry. You guys are busy. I'll just do it. And they're like, show us. So I took off the bandage on my leg and the guy goes, what the fuck? <laughs> that needs to come out now. And I'm like, cool. The um, the area where they do triage and they were way better than the hospital. Like as much as people, you know, say, oh, Rainbow Serpent or festivals are so crazy. It's like mm. there's never anything that happens at those festivals that happens at the bloody football every week. Someone 100%. gets bottled and put in the holding cell every week at the footy, you know. Yeah. But at Rainbow Serpent, they they deal with shit. They're, oh, it's one of the most amazing. misunderstood like with, misunderstood things ever. Yeah, yeah that, that twenty thousand people there. dancing for five days yeah. and like in the in the seat amazing. in the heat. Like, anyway, but yeah, go on. Yeah, and they and they keep everyone sweet. Like, yeah. and so the year before, my mate. <laughs> that leads to this though. The year before, my mate's finger got cut off at Rainbow Serpent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in there and the guy's about to, to to operate on my leg and I'm like, oh, I remember you from last year when my mate's finger got cut off. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that brought him in, and um, which is another story I'll tell you in a bit. Yeah. But um, so they're cutting my leg and I couldn't see it. So I got the nurse to hold the camera so I could see it later. And they cut like a golf ball-sized hole in my leg and scooped <sighs> out all this filth from the spider bite. And then this they time. stuffed it with... They stuffed it with, yeah, yeah, this time they jabbed me. Yeah. And uh, they stuffed it with the gauze that they'd soaked in betadine. And each day I'd come back and they'd put a, they'd take the gauze out and put fresh gauze in, but they'd put a little less so that the wound could grow from the bottom mm -hmm. and close back over. So, yeah, that, that, um, those 
three spider bites had me go to a specialist to get tested for toxins in my blood and it came back like 97 percentile of toxicity like fuck me i had every metal you could think. yeah everything in my body like because i just kept getting sick like mm. i got conjunctivitis i had to go to the eye hospital i had it for like three months I'd get like a flu and have it for like a month and a half. Like my mm. body was just rinsed. Mm. I went to hospital like eight times in one year. And um, so I just started doing whatever I could. I, you know, I went sober for uh, like a year and was doing um, uh, collation therapy. I was doing colonic therapy. I was doing infrared saunas. I was doing hot and cold exposure. I was doing mm. ice baths. I was doing Wim Hof breathing. I was doing juice um cleanses i was doing fasting like this year i did 11 days no food every year i do at least a week with no food Mm. um i was doing you know taking supplements and that all was okay it helped a little bit but then Mm. i started doing the gut health Uh, my girlfriend worked at a gym that had um, gut health specialist dave o'brien there Mm. and he helped me to um, like, I mean, doing detoxing stuff is great, but there's no point detoxing if the thing that's detoxing you, your gut is not functioning properly. Yep. So I should have done the gut health yep. first, but I didn't know about it yet because you go to a normal GP and you t- try to tell them what you need. They, they get angry at you that you're doing their job for them. Even yep. though most of the, like our, our health system's amazing compared to a lot of the world because it's free but it's broken because it's free, because mm. they get the Medicare payment. A lot of places just in and out. They want 10 minutes. They want to solve the problem. If they can't give you a pill for it, fuck off. So Dude, do I had the same thing. Homework. I had the same thing with mine. I had um, this fatigue that was gut health, but I went to the GP multiple times and they – Yep, you're fine. You're fine. Your blood tests are fine. Took it to a naturopath and he's like, nah, dude, like this, yep. this, this. So, yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah. They're crazy. Like, mm. I had glandular fever. And um, I told I went to three different doctors and I said, I've either got chronic fatigue or glandular fever. And they're like, oh, you've been on the internet too much trying to diagnose yourself. Yep. You just need to sleep more and eat healthy. I'm like, sleep more. I'm sleeping all day long and all night long. Mm. Eat healthy. All I'm eating is vegetables and meat. Like, shut the fuck up. Mm. And then I finally, a specialist was like, yeah, you've got it. But anyway, you do all this homework and, and they get sort of mad at it. But I did a bunch of gut health protocols, which meant, yeah, no drugs, no alcohol, taking like 1500 bucks worth of different supplements from mm. ox bile to, you know, goat's colostrum to zinc, magnesium, mm. all these different things and cutting certain, certain things that would feed the good bacteria in your gut and kill the bad bacteria in your gut and, and also cut certain foods out that feed the bad bacteria in your gut, like uh, onions. And I was on a super strict diet. And, um, yeah, just exercising heaps. I started – my mate opened a gym and started exercising at his gym and um, just got super fit, um, did a course of testosterone, put on about 10 kilos, was like 95 kilos, like fucking jacked as fuck. But uh, that wasn't the reason I did the course. I, mm. The um, high levels of metals had knocked my hormones out of whack because that's one thing they do. Also traumatic brain injuries tend to do that as well. Yep. So I listened to a lot of podcasts about TBIs and um, sleep and just anything I'd learn, I'd action straight away. Oh, mm. mushroom supplements are good. I'd go buy like 10 different mushroom supplements, yeah, yeah, yeah. take them all. The same as that run at, it, run at everything like it's a yard sort of mentality, you know? Yeah, and, fucking earth. Um, you know, yeah, just, oh, sleep's good. Okay, 
I need new blinds in my room. I need to take the computer out of my room. I need to get an eye mask. I need a new pillow. Ear I need plugs. to take magnesium before bed. Mm. I need to topical magnesium. I need earplugs. Like just action it, you know what I mean? Mm, for sure. And um, just did, just doing that on, on all different modalities. And it I'm, worked. Yeah, it's I'm worked. a lot better than I was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's worked in a lot of ways in mm. that I'm not getting as sick as I, as I was and I'm a lot healthier, but you know, it's, it's still a process. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, having mental health issues and then you have the physical issues and then sometimes you're like, oh, fuck, is this a physical issue or is this the mental thing? Mm. And then you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm being a hypochondriac. And then you're like, no, you were in hospital. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, anyway. but it is what it is. Health is important. Like everything else is like pointless. You know, everyone wants their money and shit. And you look at all these rich old dudes in their Maseratis and they're fat and they have these boozy busy business lunch is like, man, you can't even touch your toes. <laughs> I don't care if you've got a mess. You're not happy. Like, like what, what do you do all day? Like you've got a hot missus who probably cheats on you because you can't even get it up. Like what's the point of life where you just yeah, eat, eat steak and drink wine and drive around in your fast car and have debt in all directions and stress. Mm. Like mm. fuck that noise. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm trying to find like, yeah, I was doing kickboxing for a minute and, and yeah, I went to Thailand and tried to train some kickboxing for a couple of weeks there and and all that stuff. But then sort of the lockdown happened and that kind of ended my Muay Thai expedition. <laughs> but um, um, but I also started getting into um spearfishing. Mm. Um, just diving is a really good way of doing exercise, being outside in nature, doing meditation because you're focusing on breath for like a couple mm. of hours mm. and it's amazing. And then you add spearfishing to that. It's like you get all those things I just mentioned with the diving, but you also add learning a new skill and a primal, having to primal get better at it. Well, hunting, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not easy to shoot a fish mm. <laughs> and, um, and then trying to get different fish and trying to go to different spots. And it's kind of like, you know, a lot of it's hobbies. almost like graph, like really. <clears throat> like graph exactly you look yeah, at like, i wish i had a skateboarder you know the mm. skaters all know the spots like their train yards like they know the spots all around the world like from tony hawk or from watching skate vids and they want to one day go to this spot and one mm. day go to that spot like that stuff's cool you know mm. so yeah i still paint but I, I i told myself i'm not letting myself paint more than once a week anymore yep. because it's just I try not to use spray paint as well as much as I can. Like I painted with spray paint on Monday because I had to, but mm. it my the inside of my nose gets all pimples in it. And like I feel it. My my, my feel it in my my head. Do you gets wear all a mask? Hot. Like I wear a mask, hundred mm. percent, gloves and everything else. But mm. you know, I, most of the time now, if I paint, I try and just use rollers and yep. roll paint, which I found in um, Bali because. Um, I was there doing some Tropica street art fest and then painted a bunch of pieces all around because you could kind of just paint wherever. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's pretty you, know, sick you might get there, chased man. off once or twice mm. by some, some dude that's not so happy. But most of the time, like I was painting one day on the roadside and this security guy goes, hey. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he goes, can you stop that? And I was like, yeah, no worries. He goes, wait till after lunch and everyone's <laughs> gone from lunch because the smell is very bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no problem, bro. Yeah. And he's like, thank you. And I'm like, wow, that was the security guard. Like, 
coming out to tell me just to wait till after lunch rush hour, you know? Yeah, dude, there's not been one spot I've gone to over there that they've turned it down. Like, especially in Sri Lanka, yeah. in Aragon Bay, I just rocked rocked up there and literally, yeah, every every day I'd just go to a different different shop or a different whatever, yeah. like prime spots right in right in the town, big nice white yeah. walls on the side of their hotel. And they just love it. They yeah, just love art. giving them a free painting. They yeah, exactly. what it is. They yeah, it's it not Western. Is. People like, over here are like, no. Out of your own... Yeah, they're yeah. like, you're doing this out of your own soul. You're mm. giving me something from your soul for free onto yeah. my onto my wall. Amazing. Whereas here they're like, this wall belongs to me. <laughs> we stole this off the indigenous. Yeah. We rented this one foot of soil off the government. Yeah. You actually think they own it, but the queen owns it. Yeah. And uh, it's I've better been gray. renting this one foot of soil <laughs> and uh, I've been working in this shop every day and you can't draw on the wall because that would shake up my idea of what reality is yeah it's a strange it's, it's a strange, strange one. so what's strange in the future one. man for for your life and baylor and what sort of direction do you see see it all heading in and yeah um i mean yeah i've got to start thinking ahead i mean at the moment crypto crypto cards yeah. Some dudes buy creps, I buy crypto. Mm. But I still dress fresh because I'm a klepto. Yeah. You know? But yeah, um nice. uh yeah, um I guess the main I mean the main thing for me is the book. So mm. I'm actually having a meeting today to talk marketing with my man. And um so then that will be the main focus. Um I, I, I have my own business, um, like a mural company, and I'd like to um I'd like to push that a bit and start. Um, there's a few companies out there that are run by people that aren't artists that have never been part of the scene that have never done anything that are making some money off artists mm. um, and taking huge commissions and da 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 da. I'd like to start getting some of those grants for the big silos and the big projects and giving the artists the money they deserve to do the project instead of like a third of yep. what the budget is. Um, yeah, so the idea is I've uh, applied for this grant, hopefully to open. Uh, I mean, I could possibly, if I don't get the grant, work out a way to do it um, with my friend that I want to do it with ourselves, depending on how the book goes. If I if that just costs me money, then I probably can't. But if I actually make a little bit back or break even, then I might be able to But because um, that's going to cost quite a bit. But um, the idea is to have a studio space that's affordable as opposed to like $150 a week like mm. everywhere else and then have a gallery space where you can show your artwork and the gallery will take 25% yep. or, you know, an amount that's reasonable and just goes back into promoting the art and Sick. keeping the gallery running as opposed to 50%, which is, it's laughable. Like unless you work out, like someone like Roan work out, how to make money from prints and, you know, have a, a mailing list of 10,000 people, unless you've got that business modality switched on, a lot of artists, it's a hard slog. It's like you're basically paying to have an exhibition. Mm. You buy all the canvases, you buy all the paint, you pay for all the framing, you get the resin coat or the clear coat, you know, you you hire the, the gallery and then you're going to give them half the money. Like, mm. fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. You mm. deserve to rot in hell. Like that's mm. it, and and they try and justify it. It's like I understand it. You've got to pay. You've got to pay your rent and whatever. Like if you yeah, if you're on Main Street, if you're on High Street, if you're paying a huge amount of money, I get it. But or if you, or if they've got a huge mailing list 
And they are you there? Or did you mm. drop out again? No, I'm here. Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, if, if they've got a huge mailing list of people that they bring to the shows and they all spend money, cool, you earn your 50%. But if you have a, a, an exhibition where they want half mm. and they don't sell a single painting of yours and then you come in there every day for the next two weeks and sell 10 paintings because they're not selling any, and which is, you know, what happened to me, and then you've got to give them half. It's like, man. So, I, I yeah, I'd like to open a little gallery and studio and See. then... I'd like to have my book launch in there. I'd like to have an exhibition in there. I've been painting heaps of these little canvases during lockdown. I don't know if you can see these little. Yeah, nice. I've seen um, them. Yeah, they're sick. These little. Um, these tribal like, totem uh, things are, are wicked. Yeah, they're like. Yeah, there's lots of. I've done heaps of them. I'll show you. Mm. I've got like 20 of these. Where did that they've come got, from, that inspiration? Do you reckon traveling or? Uh, uh, everything, man. Like, I mean. Definitely traveling. Yeah. Um, I, I love seeing the old temples and going yeah. to like, you know, whether you're in Mongolia or Nepal or Thailand or, or wherever, <clears throat> Japan, like going and seeing the old carvings and um, the paintings on the wall. Like mm. I, love that, I love that stuff. It's definitely part of my wavy multi-line style. But it's also just instead of me trying to, like, oh, I'm a graffiti artist, oh, but street art, but this, but that. It's like, nah, I'm mm. a fucking person and I do a bit of graffiti and I like a bit of this. It's got everything in there. Yeah, it's like sure. a mixed bag, you know? Yeah, graph, like, I mean, tribal. I know yeah. It's got all of the influences in there. It's got mm. some references to, um, sorry, it's got some references to um, other artists. Like it's got some paintings where I've just taken one piece of one of my favorite paintings from the NGV and just painted that on there. Or, mm. you know, it's, it's yeah. Little I mean, bits, little bits of everything. It's a collage, it's a collage of, of all sorts of things, but the, mm. you know, with art, it's like successful people in the art game. They just, they just make a, a logo and they replicate it. They're night tick, night tick, night tick, mm. night tick. Mm. You know, they do, they, they do one thing it's liked and they repeat it. I mean, that's the smart way to do, but that's, not how I am. I just want to do stuff it gets boring, I like. It gets boring, bro, for sure. Will like it. Mm. Yeah, so, so I want to have a I want to have a little art exhibition. Mm. I, you know, I, I run I run my my business painting murals, which used to be cool, um, but now every single person does it, and there's heaps of people that never painted in the street that do it for now it's it's got very the water has got very muddy mm. um and there's a lot of people that'll do it for a lot cheaper so it's you know it is what it is i don't really like painting things i don't want to paint anymore mm. like I, I used to be happy to do that because it paid for my lifestyle like yeah. i could paint a a, a a job and not tell anyone that i did it and then go paint my art everywhere yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. now it's like you know each time I'm painting something else, I'm not painting my art. So it's, I want to be able to Defeats just do the purpose. my thing. But yeah, so I don't know. There's there's so many options and there's so many things that I'd like to do. I'd like to learn a language. I'd like to learn an instrument. Mm. I'd like to be in a band. I'd like to act. I'd like to direct. I'd mm. like to make a movie. I'd like to write a book. I'd like to write a film play, you know, like. I've hopefully, hopefully, crypto, hopefully crypto can get us there, bro. Well, if crypto cashes in, and yeah. you know, then I can just be like, I'm making a movie. <laughs> yeah, bro. 
Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm betting because on Because a too. lot of other people, it's worked out for them, you know. Like if, man, I'll tell you this, I had $10,000 in an envelope that said Bitcoin on it about mm. 15 years ago when I was doing some naughty business. Mm. Uh, no, maybe 10 years ago, but I couldn't work out how to buy it. <laughs> work out how to buy the Bitcoin. And they were about $8 each. Yep. So, it's funny you, know, you say that, man. It was, but, yeah, it was at three point six k, and and uh, I came uh, met up with my old man, and I'm like, we got it, we got to go fucking halves in this thing, you know. Like I should have just got it on my on my own, but he's good with technology, and he goes, I can't yeah. figure it out, I can't figure it out, and I'm like, fucking, we got to figure it out and let it slide until it was at seventeen, seventeen or sixteen or seventeen yeah. grand. Kicking myself, but yeah. uh, it is what it is. I but, did the same thing with Ether, mm. um, Carney from um, Posse Shot. Yep. He used to he used to live with me for a few years. Yep. And he was like, get some ether, get some ether. And I was like, yeah, I'll get some. But this is when I was going through all that um, detoxing and my mm. body was like my cognition with all that um, high levels of toxicity, my cognition was poor. Like I couldn't concentrate. Mm. I couldn't like t- simple tasks were difficult. I'll put it that way. And mm. it took me about five days to buy the ether. So I've, I've got about eight ether, which is worth mm. a lot now. Mm. But if I bought it five days before, I'd have about a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, literally. It's the way it goes. Isn't in it? those five days, in those mm. five days, they went from like thirty dollars each to like you know a few hundred each. And mm. if I had have bought them, then I'd have, I'd be sitting on it enough to buy a house. Like yeah, but man, yeah, it's all as long as you're you in, you, you got your foot it. in the door. It everything is what it is. In, everything in hindsight, it's, exactly. Everything yeah. is in hindsight. Even when even when Bitcoin hit two thousand dollars, I was like, oh, I missed the boat. I missed the boat. It was it was one dollar now it's two thousand yeah. bucks I missed the boat we hadn't bought ten when they were two thousand dollars and now they're like uh, you know Man, up and down but they you know it's modern pokies for sure it's uh, it's, yeah. it's giving everyone hope it's a bit it's a little better than pokies yeah it is the, it is know. so if you had a message you know for up and coming creators artists even just yeah young kids coming up in in life you know, going through shit and getting on, getting on drugs and, and all that. What, what would you sort of, what would you say to them? I've got a few it? things to say. Cause I know, I know that you, you often, you know, listen to podcasts and you sort of say, it's kind of focusing on people doing their creative thing for their job instead of mm. the, the normal nine to five. Mm. But I also need to add a caveat to it. It's like, if you do your, your creative thing, then your creative thing becomes a job. Mm, so, mm. you know, all the stuff you hate about jobs is still going to be there. Yep. Just because you're doing your creative thing doesn't mean that magically you just get to like fart and people give you money. For sure. <laughs> you know, you trip over it, you trip over an artwork falls out of your brain and then you're a millionaire. Like if, if, if you want to do your own thing, you, you need to be business savvy. Um, you need to, you, you know, you need to make more than you spend. <laughs> <laughs> for starters um, but um yeah so if you, it depends sometimes it's almost better to have a job job and then do your thing entirely for yourself and keep it pure mm. you know it depends on what your thing is and what you're hoping to do with it mm. you know if, if, if you're a musician and you want to do music for a living it could be it could be advantageous to just have a job until your music takes off as opposed to like I don't know, trying to make money every single way you can out of your music, you know? Mm-hmm. And but it's, it's I sort time, of, I contradicted like, myself when I spoke to Danny because in, in the, what, what I meant is like in the previous one, like I did plumbing, for example, right? Like 
Yeah. I did that not liking it, not enjoying it. I still, you know, I still don't enjoy it to be honest with you. And I don't, I haven't been only subby a few days to sort of fuel the fire, but that's sort of what yeah. I picked up. I'm stoked I did that because I can work, you know, fucking two, three days a week and do all the other shit as well. That's you it. know what I mean? So. And you've got a trade that you can use anywhere in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, as much as I said, I said in Danny's, I said in Danny's. Anywhere in the world. Yeah, for sure. You know? So you've got that as a, as a base. So that, Mm. that's really smart. Like for someone like me, I just put all my eggs in one basket. So now like, you know, I've got bipolar. So I might one week think I'm king of the world and I'm going to do everything. And then the next week I might want to kill myself mm, in four days. Mm. And, or the next week I might think like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I need to change. I need to do something. But mm. the problem being that I put all my eggs in one basket, I'm like, what, i got to start at the ground floor at something else. But that's where you grow the pair of balls. That's where you learn new things mm. is starting something new, which is why I've, I started spearfishing. It's like, I know it's that's not, you know, that's not a job or whatever, but, that it like challenged me. Like I was in the water the other night and I saw a shark. Like it challenged me. Mm. <laughs> it's it's intriguing. It's exciting. It's something new. Like stuff like that. Like but yeah, with 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 work and with with jobs and stuff, I feel like to change course now. It's funny. It's like you're at the base of a mountain. But whenever historically in my mind, I think about any time I changed course. As soon as I do it, I realize I should have done it ten years earlier. Mm. As soon as you start, mm. you're like, oh. You know, and the world gives you signs. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to work out what the next phase is, if that means just painting different style or if it means maybe I'll be getting jobs for other people and trying to create opportunities and take less of a commission than all these other people that are taking these huge commissions off people. Like, And, yeah, if I open that gallery, I can hold exhibitions of my own, but I can also have other people in there and take less of their money. They can actually make some money off their art instead of, like do an exhibition to make someone else money. It seems crazy. But, yeah, I guess the advice, sorry, it's a long-winded way of responding to your question. So good. The advice open. is like you've got to do what feels right. If it mm. feels right to be doing your art or your creativity or your tattooing or your music or your skating for money, then do it. If it feels dirty, then you probably shouldn't. Mm. Like I know when something feels dirty and, you know, I shouldn't do those things like a job that feels dirty, but if someone offers me a job that I can keep on the down low and I, and I don't want to do it, I just put a few zeros on the end of the quote. And if Mm. they say that's way too much, I don't have to do it. But if they say yes, then maybe either get someone else to do it or you do it. But for sure. By by that I meant as in, I meant even as in, you know, terms of the violence and, you know, the things you've learned from that, you know, and like, because so yeah, many young okay. writers, young writers in the scene, you know what I mean? I, I know because of my mind when I was young, starting to yeah. write, same as what you've just explained to me, you have, you're, you're absorbed in that fucking bullshit. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Um, I've got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is something I actually think about a lot because I drive around and at the moment, like, like there's some dudes going hard, but there's not as many as when the scene's fully killing it. You know mm. what I mean? Like, so the people that are going hard, they stand out a lot more because mm. there's, a select, there's a few groups. You can see that there's these five and there's those five and there's those two. You can sort of see them all, right? Um, but I see some of them slashing each other and writing, we're going to get you and this, that and the other. And I just think, fuck, man, you guys are stupid doing that. Like if you all teamed up, you could be doing whole cars together. Mm. Like there's so few of you. You've already got the cops after you. You've already got the buffers buffing you. Like 
I wish I had a bit like I, I I know a lot of people in Melbourne, right? Because you know I've tried to change my ways, and even when I was doing bad things, I was still a nice guy until I snapped. Like I was mm. so, but I just wish I had been like nicer from the get go. Mm. Like just like networking and 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 being around other people that are getting shit happening is the way to go. Like mm. you could be if you don't like someone, cool, don't pay with them, but start beef with them is counterintuitive if someone goes over your shit of course you've got to stand your ground and stuff but there's so much more power in working with people that have energy if some dude's smashing like i learned this off cinch right mm. whenever the new kids in the area would come up and pop up and start bombing most people always whinge oh who are these young toys who do they think they are most people gripe about it you know what mm. i'm saying in the mm. graph world they don't go oh sick these dudes put in work they they feel threatened because they're like insecure or whatever mm. and cinch would be like what do you what's everyone talking about you'd be like i'm gonna find out who they are and go bombing with them mm. you know he'd, he'd he'd think why would i why would i think badly like if they're if they're not the best style wise i'll teach them to be better like mm. like if some dudes have got the energy to go hard it should be applauded and if they're going the wrong way or doing the wrong thing it could try and help maybe navigate their path a bit more clearer. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, try telling myself that when I was 22, I'd probably get bottled. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 you know, it is what it is, man. It's, it's a, it's a full contact male dominated sport full of youthful testosterone. Yeah, like, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of the scene that's like this bickering and this, um, shit talking and stirring and it's like mm. you know you go paint a wall with a bunch of dudes and all they do is talk badly about some other dude and you're like mm. dude's not even here like, what's the point yeah. do you not have anything better do you not have anything yeah. better to talk yeah. about <clears throat> mm. yeah why are we why are we why are we talking about someone who's not even here like who cares like let them live their life that you don't even know who they are like you mm. just see their tag around i can't but, remember the quote exactly on the once but um shred shred v1 said uh Stupid people talk about what was it? Stupid people talk about people. Another type of people talk about something else. Smart people talk about plans. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll keep yeah, that. yeah. I'll keep that's, that with a, me. that's a that's a classic quote. That one. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Um, that, yeah, but you know it. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But even even like if you focus on the good side of graph, like it can mean a couch in any country around the world. You know, it can mm. mean connections with people that have energy that is like, hey, you want to be a tourist in the city or do you want to crawl underneath this city through a tunnel and then climb onto a roof in this city and then leave your name in this city? Like, Yeah, you know what? I was going to say to you before actually about travelling, it's funny how, how different the scene is. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny how different the scene is over in Europe compared to here. You know, like you roll into everywhere I rolled into, they're just these happy, fucking creative sort of alternative dudes. You know what I mean? And then it spun yeah. me out, and I was like, "What? What has happened? What's happened back here? Like something's gone. <laughs> something's gone haywire." Yeah, we're a con- <laughs> we're we're a convict, a convict <laughs> island of genocide. True. Like shit, bro. What My ancestors are like, convicts. Literally. Yeah, yeah. Like we're to- we're talking we're talking about we're talking about needing to grow up as young men, right? Mm. 
in a country that's plagued by domestic violence, alcoholism, and male suicide. Like, mm. this is a country that needs to grow up into a man and woman, you know? Like, this is a country that stole its country off the original inhabitants and then hasn't become a mature adult yet. It still culture, lives in the shadow yeah. of the culture, imperial yeah. powers. Yeah, we're, we're, we're babies here. We, we, we drink and fight, like... We, you know, people, there's, there's a documentary on a moment about, uh, you know, domestic violence. Like our heroes, our sporting heroes fuck each other's wives and bash each other's wives and mm. kill each other. Like we've got some issues here, like racism and shit. Like, the, it, you know, we pretend it doesn't exist. And then Eddie Maguire continues to pretend it doesn't exist after Adam Goods being a complete dog to an absolute hero, like mm. to one of our absolute icons complete dog to him and then it comes out after all that like there's even more racism that you know to to their to, the, to their players from overseas and then there's sexism and then there's all this other shit and it's like these are the people that the majority of our country puts on a freaking pedestal like you look mm. at the clowns running the show at the moment like some hillsong marketing goose right-wing fucktard who's in the complete pocket of the mining industry and the fossil fuels industry the banks don't want anything to do with fossil fuels you know the mm. the investors don't want anything to do with fossil fuels and this guy's going no we're going to put 800 million dollars in it's like <laughs> so you're just going to give these guys 800 million dollars like because mm. it's not going to be worth anything no one's going to want the coal no you're just going to destroy our environment like this country is full of fucktards man like mm. as much as it's full of amazing people my friends my family everyone else it's full of some fucking fucktards like mm. that won't vote against someone that wants to cut down the remaining trees that didn't burn down in the bushfire that was due to the rising fucking temperatures of fucking climate change caused mm. by the fact that we shit on our planet mm. like it's ridiculous man mm. it's it's ridiculous and it's blaringly obvious to a child yet some dude who wants to go stand in a fucking christian version of a bush dwarf and sing about jesus at a hillsong event and then go, you know, go to a rugby gig when he should be in COVID lockdown, go to Hawaii or whatever when oh, no. the whole country's burning down. And yeah. this fucktard will, like, let them log all the areas that didn't burn down or wants, he wants to put three coal mines next to the Blue Mountains. It's like the only reason Australia is liked by the rest of the world is because it's pristine and beautiful. Mm. But every year since I'm a child, it's getting less pristine and less beautiful. They're carving it up. There's yeah. more trees cut down in Queensland than there are in the fucking Amazon. Like, yeah, it's insane. we are not awake to this. We have this bogan mentality that everything's great. We've got heaps of space. And it's like, it's a giant desert. The centre mm. used to be an ocean. And then before that, it was a forest. Mm. And then we let fucking sheep and fucking hooven animals run rampant on it and turn into a dusty sand bowl. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, so that's a really long-winded way of answering your question. If people need to grow up and, 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 and figure out who they are, so does our nation. Our nation needs to grow up and figure out who we are. We yeah. need Indigenous council on the government. We need mm. uh, our environment minister should be the elders of the Indigenous have you read, community. Have you read Sand the book Sand Talk? What's that? Have you read the book Sand Talk? No, I haven't. I'll write it down. Yeah, yeah write it down. It's it's I've yeah. read uh, Dark Emu Dark Emu. Yeah, Black it's similar, it's similar. It's um yeah, just incorporating indigenous sustainability to f fucking yeah, how we live. 
I think his name's Tyson. Yeah, he's a super, I'll super intelligent up. dude. Like how his mind works is fucking, yeah, it's insane. So, so definitely have a read. But anyway, we'll just we could chat all day, but um, I think we're nearly yeah. two, two I and told a half you once you, you get started, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I'd just like to I'd like to thank you for coming how on the show, man. How long did we man. go for? I didn't even know. Like I think three hours, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we but, haven't uh, even got Elon Musk to smoke a joint yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'd like to thank you, man, for your con- your contributions to the subcultures, man. Um, you know, keeping art alive and 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 doing your thing, bro, and inspiring others. And um, I thank wish you, you all the best, bro. Oh, and thanks. I'll catch you in um, Melbs at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, we'll go for a paint or a whatever. Go yeah. for a sp- yeah, uh, yeah, sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. like. Oh, it's like I feel like I'm in two minds about it. It's like I almost shouldn't tell all that part of my life because it's like fucked. But at the same time, like I, I don't want I don't want to be dishonest. But Man, at the end of the day, yeah. But it's people need to hear people need to hear the stories and people need to see the turnaround. Do you know what I mean? And also, what eventuated from that, like just in this in this podcast, saying realizing now the trauma that you were going through and not dealing with it at the time. Do you know what I mean? And the effects that that yeah, had. that's like a typical Aussie male thing to do yeah. is yeah. to not deal with trauma. Yeah, and but, um, it's you know part of the reason why we have one of the highest levels of male suicide in the world, and mm. and the highest one of the higher levels of domestic violence because these men are bottling trauma and then they're taking it out on their partners mm. or taking it out on themselves. Yeah. And there's you know lots of mental problems as well. So definitely you need to deal with your shit, or else you're going to end up hurting yourself and others. For sure. You know, and take some people some people can deal with their shit, some people can't. But if you can't, you need to seek out someone that can help. And the problem with that is it's difficult, man. Like to find I've seen multiple psychologists, psychiatrists, like doctors, everything, and half of them, if not three quarters of them, won't be the right fit. Like mm. they'll be short sighted or autistic and on the spectrum and don't know how to deal with people or you know, like there's so many people in the medical profession that are just mm, unqualified. not people people, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, the, the, the takeaway would be like you only get one go at this, you know, unless you're a um, very short go. Yeah, you get one short go. So try and um, not be a turd. Like, mm. you know, like short, bad stuff happens. Everyone makes mistakes. Try and learn from your mistakes and – Try and be a better version of yourself if you can. Um, now I'm just preaching. Nah, it's good. I like but, that. Yeah. That's a good ending. <laughs> All right, brother. Yeah, nice one, bro. Good good uh, luck with your podcast. Good work on um, doing it, sticking with it. And, um, yeah, good luck with your music. Cheers, brother. I'll chat to you soon.